0: Hey, I'm Kreese. Uh You can follow me at CreaseArt on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I stream on Twitch as well, uh, also on Kreese Art. And you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics.
1: <laughs> there was a little operatic bit at the end of that. Did you hear that? His hand yeah. was up. His hand was up A when he falsetto. was like Pavarotti. <laughs> yeah,
2: <that's>, uh, <laughs>
1: I like it. <laughs> yeah, I look pretty. Or Bob Seger. <clears throat> we'll see.
0: Who's that? Don't even. <laughs> <laughs> right? Jesus. Who's Bob Seger? Oh, the music. The music about to get it. all lively.
1: The um, Bob Seger is one of those artists that. Uh, their that catalog is so deep and their music is so good that you have to grow into it. Because as a kid, I hated Bob Seeger. The hell is this old man shit? I don't understand this. And then as I aged, the music of Bob Seeger made sense to me.
2: Mm.
1: Yes. Because Bob Seeger sings about one thing and one thing only, and that's time. The passage of time, lamenting the passage of time, experiencing the passage of time, noticing the pat—like everything about Bob Seeger's music is about time. Just look at his catalog; you'll see. Sure. I think I think he's great, but as a fifteen-year-old, I thought he was, you know, okay, boomer. I just didn't—I didn't get it.
0: Okay, boomer. <laughs> uh...
1: I love that. (laughs) My my son throws that at me twenty four seven. Okay, boomer. Yeah, perfect.
0: It's fucking perfect.
1: No, it's not.
0: not. No, I mean, no. uh, A a a perfect retort for for someone like him to someone like you, right? Especially the relationship you two have. It's it's perfect. But yeah, it's it's not. It's (laughs) not. It's not funny. It shouldn't be funny, but it's kind of funny.
1: Yep. Anything that sets him off when he gets in my car. I get the ox because then he'll play that stupid, (laughs) that stupid jaw stuff or whatever. I'll call him something. I get the ox, puts the phone in. I got to listen to his crap. (laughs) That all sounds the same to me. And we hope that this does not sound the same to you because yes, it's another one of them 11 o'clock comics episodes, this time 651 it's our book of the month, and we're happy to have you with us. And I am Vince B.
0: Oh, you are Vince B. And I am David A. Price. I can vouch for that, and I of
3: course am Tyke Alicar, but you know me as the anarchist.
1: I knew you were gonna be him. How did I know that? Really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew I'm a global it. icon. You're not Tyke Alacar. I'm looking for an anagram in that name, and I don't know. I haven't found it yet, but mm. it's it's too random. A la car, ty I don't know. You're not Tyke. Or the anarchist. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And this episode has been brought to you by who? Our beautimous patrons. That's right. we got a bunch of people who support us each and every month on Patreon. If you would like to see what the hubbub is about, go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. That's 1 1 and no apostrophe. And speaking of our Patreon, the members of our Slack channel will be actively participating in a little thing we got much, much, much later on in this episode. But they will rear their, their wonderful heads.
0: I think that was like three
1: muches too much. Well, huh. we'll see. We could be get honest. into it, we could get deep. We could. Yeah, Absolutely could. There's plenty Street to plenty on which to chew. Say so go. What's up, my brothers? How you doing? I'm doing all right. I had a good day, unlike yourself. But we're here to lift no, you up. No, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad you had a good day. I designed some products today. A word? Yeah. For eleven o'clock comics? I wish. Yeah, that would be nice. We need more product, because the, the Comics Should Be Ridiculous shirts are just flying off the shelves. <laughs>
3: well, we don't really ever publicize it. We don't.
1: But that's us, isn't it? And now, in sports, solely. it's David A. Price. Um, that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> nice try,
2: though. <sighs>
1: no, we don't. But just remember, we got the, the threadless thing, and there's shirts up there. Low- <laughs> what was that? i think the snake is going to come out
0: wait what he's Get ready for some ecstatic he's either what's going
1: on he's looking for his comb or something i don't know
0: <laughs> <like> the font.
1: <laughs> oh yeah that's in your back pocket um we have i haven't
0: had a comb in
1: years thre- <laughs> It'll, i hear you brother i know you yeah do. we shirts. have lots of um shirts on threadless the 11 o'clock logos for many years. We have the Comics Should Be Ridiculous shirts. We've got beautiful OG 11 o'clock shirts. It's There's a, a nice array of uh, material on there. Not only shirts. Yeah, there's other products like phone cases and pillows and uh, flip-flops. Like everything. So, uh, check it out. Threadless. Just do a search for 11 o'clock comics. We're up there. Um, going into... The drink roll call, I have a thank you.
3: Yes, I have two. yeah.
1: Um, Mr. Uh, our buddy, whom we've, uh, as David likes to say, we've broken bread with this guy, um, and his his lovely daughters. It's uh, Mr. Carlo Esqueda. Yes, sent me yes. a box of libations, the uh, first of which is a beautifully uh, designed can by Mr. Justin Lee, doing his best Buona Spoons impersonation. It's the uh, Liquid Art Festival series, uh, Surround Sound. Uh, This thing has a Columbus, Simcoe, and Galaxy Hops in it. And the brewing company is um, Collective Arts, which looks awesome, but the big kahuna in the box, was he sent me a bottle of Freak Show wine. The strangest show on earth, just like us. Cabernet Sauvignon. And I cannot wait to dive into this uh, Freak Show stuff. But I'm going to save it for another episode.
0: Is is that the one with the... That's not the one with the label with the guy looking through the
1: wine glass, is it? No, it's a Freak Show. It's a guy... it's, It's a carnival. It it looks that the label looks a little bit like uh Sergeant Pepper where you oh. have a bunch of different uh people and they're pasted in obviously. L- uh, Sergeant Pepper by way of Monty Python. Nice. Yeah, with the Terry Gilliam stuff. Um but on the front and center on the bottle is a strong band lifting up um a makeshift uh okay. barbell with two baskets in it and there's men
0: in the baskets i'm confusing with another label but yeah his his letter said that um there was something he sent you that uh yeah you 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 tried it last year and um wasn't sure if if you were able to um procure it since then so
1: wait um, he, he wrote each of us different letters
0: no i'm pretty sure he wrote the same letter because each one said, you know, Vince in your box, Jason in your box, right. after your after oh. your and diet. Um Yeah. He's like and, he's like
1: a that, uh, an airwell sucking up the plankton. He's on an air diet.
0: So, um but yeah, I'm also I'm I'm dying to find out what uh, what he sent Jason. Uh he sent me a bottle of wine, but I don't know the
3: name of it cuz my wife uh put it away like within seconds <laughs> of me unwrapping
0: it. Put it away and, and put
3: it in the wine? Yeah, so I don't even know which one it is. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I know it was a bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon of some type, but I, I have no earthly idea what, uh, what the, the, the name of said wine was. But, uh, but I do thank uh, Mr. Ithgata
1: nonetheless. See, that, is, that makes your wife even more attractive, that she put something away seconds after receiving it, because I do the same thing. She's yeah. she's very regimented in where things go and where they belong, unlike yes. the majority of the people in this freaking house. Mm, well, it sounds like a you problem. Yeah. Oh, it is a you problem. That's why I'm attracted to the, the thing you got, because I would That's like right. to have one of them in this house. That's right. Yeah. So say we all. Looking like that, too, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. David, what'd you get?
0: I... Um... Received something that uh, he removed from his whiskey bunker and sent to me i I have had the um, the high West offerings in the past, and um, actually the first time I had something by them was um, was one evening with uh, our good friend Mr. Daniel White but this is uh, from High West distillery. It is a midwinter night's dram a blend of straight rye whiskeys finished in French Oak port barrels. Uh, it is from Utah and it is according to the label, a limited engagement. Um, and it is really, really good. Thank you so much, Carl. I'm having for the first time now tonight. I opened it just for the show, just for just, just before we sat down and, um, and yeah, I, uh, I brought a bottle of seltzer to have after I finish this glass, but I may not stop at just one. Yeah, you can't one stop pour. Stop so we'll one. St- come on, finish that nah, bottle. We right, go, off. we gotta go
3: deep, deep, deep tonight. So yeah, guys,
0: well, maybe I'll need it for it, but
3: yeah,
1: okay. You, uh, so, but Dap, you're backing me up, aren't you? I know you're gonna say yes, I know, but are you backing me up here? I'm
0: just I got it, you know. Trust but verify, uh, yes, it's been going on cool. for about 18 and a half minutes so far. Right, excellent, excellent.
1: Because we want to have a double blind here so the people hear all this good stuff. It's true. And yeah. I have a second thank you. Ooh, nice. And I think you all don't have the thank you because I think you already got this.
3: And then I didn't get it when you all got it because I never responded with my address. Now I got
1: it. Oh.
3: So I think that's why you're like, well, what is this? And it's from Mr. Mr. Jim Whiting.
1: Oh, nice! Uh, yes.
3: And it's a collection of uh, of his comics. I believe uh, dark, there's a bunch of Dark Arts in there. Uh, Infinite Punishment. Uh, yeah. So the Infinite sort of Punishment all received that already,
1: right?
0: Yeah, well, we just yes. did
1: too. Um, but well, we got
0: the Dark Arts and the final issue of um, of Dark Punishment because uh, Marcello in... died
2: before yes. Infinite Punishment,
0: right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. Before yeah. um, uh, the third issue went to press. Young guy, Wipes. too. just Yeah, in his 30s, I think. Yeah.
1: Pretty crazy. Draws a pretty sexy devil girl, I will say. He does. He does. Mm-hmm. Succubus, yeah. God bless Suck him. Succubus. I hope wherever he is, he's he's smiling. That's right. Yeah, so thank so, you very much, Jim. Again, yeah, thank you. Good dude. Great stuff.
3: For sure.
1: Bada boom. <sighs> Book of thank the month. Either. What? I, oh, no, God. no. No, God. what were you going to say?
3: I was going to say, you know what? You all know I had a shit day. But on the on the on the way home, a little bit of comic brightness warm me up. So sometimes, original art collectors out there, sometimes you'll find a piece and you'll want it and you'll miss out on it. If you're patient, there's a good chance you're going to end up with it. <laughs> Back before any of us knew who Crease Lee really was, young artist that we've talked about a few times. Um, We were following him on Instagram, as we follow many artists. And I first took notice of him because he posted a fantastic domino. And it was up for grabs. And I hit him up, and someone had sniped me. And I was like, who dare purchase a domino off Instagram before me? And that was, I quickly then found out that it was sniped by a gentleman named Charlie Simmons who I've become internet friends with Charlie's a fellow art collector Um, he collects domino art but not just domino art he collects lots of different characters Um, but but regardless I loved the piece I thought it was fantastic and I then after that event was able to procure a domino commission from Crease of my own Um, but this one always was sitting in the ether and Charlie has got a little bit of a grail that he's looking to procure. So he reached out to me and I have arranged to purchase some of his domino commissions from him, including the crease that got away from me. So I'm very, yeah. very happy. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, very happy. It comes around. What goes around comes around. By the way, before we jump into the book of the month.
1: Yeah. What are you guys drinking?
3: I I know we got from Carlo, but what do you actually, are you, 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 I'm
1: drinking the stuff from Carlo. Yeah. Not the freak show. Oh, you are? Yeah.
3: Yep. Oh. Yep, yep, yep.
1: Yep. Okay. I am not. What are you
0: drinking? Well, no, because you don't know where it is,
1: but yeah.
3: Well, right. right. Well, I, right. It's in the, I know where it is. I don't know which of the bottles it (laughs) is. Right, right. Um, I am drinking, I am drinking, I have two beers here. Whoa. Yes, I know, it's that it kind of thing. What's Holy happening? Cow. Wow. Well, it's yeah. it's,
2: it's no, book of I the month and it's I ecstatic. So. I, I guess, needed it, needed I guess Pink yeah. really
1: did have a shit day. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Pink. Yeah. Pink. Okay. The song with the shit day in it.
3: Oh, is there a song about I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a big Pink, uh, yeah. pink yeah. aficionado. Uh, the first one, the one I'm drinking currently, is by Sierra Nevada, the Narwhal Imperial Stout.
1: Stunned yeah. that you would drink something Stout. called Narwhal. <laughs> yep,
3: I mentioned it a month or two ago. It's uh, last bottle in, in the fridge, and it's a nine percent alcohol by volume. And then after that, I have a North Coast Brewing Old Rasputin, um, Old Rasputin Imperial Stout. So two Imperial Stouts of different brands. I'm going to enjoy them
1: quite thoroughly. Nice meaty mouthfeel, <laughs> mellowing me out, and. The- uh, the best thing about it is, with your reduced body weight, they're going to affect you a lot quicker than they used to. Can't wait! I'm gonna so we're turned. we're going to reap the benefits of that. I That's love right. the diet because it leads to moments <laughs> like these. Okay, there we go.
3: Okay, so book everybody. Of, book of, book of, the of the month. Yes, book of yeah, the. Run us through the category, right, or the the or see the nominations, right? Uh,
0: I can do that if uh, the site opens up pretty quickly. Um. And good luck with that. The, yeah, I know. Well, I'm hardwired, so maybe we'll see. Um, anyway. You're hardwired the... for self-destruct,
1: huh? <laughs> what? You're, you're Metallica. You're hardwired Hard. <laughs>
0: blah, blah, blah. Hardwired blah, blah, blah. for
1: self-destruct. Yeah.
0: Yes. Revelations was on um, the ride home tonight. I hadn't heard that Maiden song in the ages. Uh, <laughs> Renee, tolerate you playing Maiden? yes because she because the music she she likes this with a lot of metal especially especially metallica she loves the music as soon as they start singing she's like i'm out so okay yeah so, no but so they she's still have sane. okay well i could i could see headfield but dickinson it's got a voice like an angel why wouldn't I know you does. want it it's crazy it's crazy i'm like, i don't i don't i don't know what kind of who did i marry but um we we were discussing Jason. Vince said that he is going to um, work on the um, the February, Yes um, quirky books. Quirky books. Okay, cool. Of the month, uh, so we will we will have that posted hopefully um, soonish. But uh, yeah, this the, the this site is TheBomb.com. dot So our January <laughs> book of the month included. Agents of Atlas, Brat Pack, Flaming Carrot Omnibus, Global Frequency, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Hard Traveling Heroes, Grumble Volume 1, You're the Dog Now, Man, Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files 5, Miss Tree Volume 1, Stray Bullets, Sunshine and Roses Volume 1, Stuck Rubber Baby, and the winner, Ecstatics, Good Omens.
2: Yep.
1: I think one of these months we should just have a Judge Dredd complete Case Files, Volume 5, 11 times in the poll, just so it can – because it's always the bridesmaid.
0: It is. It's true.
3: And 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 I think it it is one that we we all own and I would love to read. So we should just make it one of these months to pick.
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, I know we just made Ian's year, so. (laughs) Truth. Yep. Okay, so I have a lot to say about this book. Awesome. But – which
3: sounds like we're going to need to. But uh, let's first start like we always start. Um, what? Tell us your first experience with this book, if you read it when it was coming off the shelves, if you read it later, if this is your first time. Go ahead, Dak.
0: This was my first time? Okay. And uh, is there a particular reading Were you not reading a lot of uh... Yes. No, I, was, I wasn't I was reading a lot, period. Uh, this was... Because um, this team, Ecstatic's... Uh, premiered towards the end of the x-force title uh so they premiered i guess in 99 but this um or maybe it was 01 but uh nope. yeah 01 sorry july 2001 mm-hmm. x-force number 116 uh the ecstatics series i guess started in um 02 and yeah i um it, strictly for financial reasons i was i was thinking about um because a lot of in, in this collection, you, you get the covers and uh, the trade dress was vaguely familiar to me. And I say vaguely because it it really only stands out to me because I think I first became aware of, of this Marvel Comics trade dress on their covers because of um, when I won the Priest run of Black Panther. And mm-hmm. and that was the first time I finally got to read that. And, right. and yeah, it was it was post Marvel Nights. Uh actually well Marvel Nights is that was one of the titles that kicked off that line. But um as as the series continued, it all it, it had the trust that um that these issues of, of ecstatics have. So yeah, I, I wasn't reading a whole hell of a lot um from and, and it wasn't just the Big Two thing. I was I I massively cut back. Um and only you know, getting into things later on like um like planetary and uh thanks to the trades and things like that. So there were yeah, th- th- this was kind of a, it, it was a blind spot, but it was it was I, I wasn't I wasn't active. So it, um and and that said, I don't know if this is something that I would I mean with all red, because yes, I, I loved him in Mad Men. Um I I loved the Mad Men by him, but it's it's um knowing what the X universe is like, and um, where I last left X-Force when I kind of walked away, I don't know if this would have been a book I would have um, been picking up had I walked into a shop and said, Oh, well, I I wonder what this is about. So um, that would have been my loss, but yeah, this, this was, aside from the special that came out last year, um, which of course is also a teaser for the upcoming series. uh, It really was my first experience with, uh, with x Okay. Vincenzo. I bought it off the racks as it was coming
1: out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was uh, very excited for X-Force um, because you know me. I'm an red Mark. I always have been. Um, and anything that would tweak X-Fandom to the degree that X-Force <laughs> did was okay in my book. Um, mm-hmm. you know me. Love it when the status quo is, sh- is shaken. Love it right. when creators intentionally piss off their, their audience or try to piss off their audience. So, yeah, I was down with X-Force and I enjoyed it very much. And then, so I continued with this, um, on a monthly basis. So, uh, yeah, and it, it, it just, it got its hooks into me. Uh, with the appearance of Paul Pope, even you know even more. Yeah. When you if you yeah. throw Paul, Paul Pope into the mix, there's no Darwin Cook on the dupe. Um, yeah, shorts. that was great. The, yeah, so I, um, we'll get into it, but yes, I was I, I was, was buying it, this. It song. doesn't
0: it doesn't play into um this volume, but I, I became aware of I guess controversy after the fact because of the um the Princess Diana. Yes. Yeah. So.
3: So. Okay, yeah, so I'm like Vince, I was buying this off the rack, Um and this was pre, well, it wasn't pre-internet, but it was before everything was on the internet, and I, I think like probably many fans, was completely caught unsuspecting like, I went to the store and picked up X-Force 115? <laughs> and then I went to the store and I picked up X-Force 116. And, uh, so I'm sure, like many, at my initial reaction was like, "What in the fuck is this?" Um, but uh, but yeah, but I I read it through its entirety. I read it all the way through. To I, re, I read it uh, as it was coming off the shelves yeah. as well.
1: The so, uh, the only other X book uh, I can recall that had the ripple effect uh, that turned into eventual tsunami effect as X-Statics or X Force slash X-Statics was the Joe Casey. Uh, Ledron Cable Run. Pe- sure. People hated that book when it came out. And
3: you love that book. You love I, that I book. do. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, so. No, I'm sorry. Go
1: ahead. No, I. Continue.
3: Uh, I was going to say that I think, um, in revisiting this, and this is not the first time I've revisited this, I should say. Um, I, I think we. Certainly, on for David, I would I would argue before I hear what he thought that I think we did he or anyone that played along this listening to it, this uh, we did them all a disservice unintentionally. But I think yeah. I think to it's totally logical to say let's read the first volume of Ecstatics. But I went and reread because um, I have everything. I went and reread the entire entirety of the run this week, um, including. X-Force. And I think having done that, it really... I was trying to think what it would be like to just start with Good Omens. And since I didn't do that, and I knew what to expect, I'm having to project here. But I would imagine that it was a harder thing to get into. Because I do think, objectively, some of the strongest, if not the strongest stuff in this run is titular titularly x-force and i think there's a lot of presumption although they do certainly through editor's notes and and a little bit of of, of fadeaway back back history illusion catch you up in the first arc of of Ecstatics, which is what we're formally talking about i i don't think it it gives you the full sense and appreciation for The team and the setting that one would have had if you were reading it when it was X Force. So I am, and again, I don't even know if we could. I mean, I can ask David. I don't know if you felt that way. There's really no way to judge because you only read this. You didn't read what came before, and Vince and I read it off the shelves. What came before? So I I, I don't. It's it's conjecture. I guess we'll have to put that question to the audience and see if anyone has any thoughts there. But I I I did think after reading it all, thought, oh, you know, like in retrospect what we're really doing is we're jumping into the third or fourth arc effectively. Yeah. Of this,
0: of this yeah. Cause I knew, I knew the original lineup consisted of a character. as dead girl. And she ain't in this except for some flashbacks. So I, I was expecting, I think being volume one, I was kind of expecting um, to see her in action, especially after the recent special, but uh, that was not to be. Well, it's not dead girl. I'm sorry. Not, no, no. Uh, you mean the, you the, go the, the, girl? You go girl. Yeah. You go. Oh, okay. Right.
3: You. Yeah. Dead yeah. girls in. Dead in girl isn't it? And, yeah. And you go go girl. yeah. You girl. Yeah. You girls. Yeah. That,
0: yeah. that that
1: was. I mean, the the creative team's desire to to manhandle their audience. I think they took it a bit too far with this iteration of this X Force um, universe because, in my opinion, they took the best part. Of what they had created, and removed it from the equation. Yes, with you, go girl. Yeah, um, I agree. The the ghost of Edie is very much um, I don't want to say alive, but apparent throughout Ecstatics. But it's it's always as a shadow of what was and and what her um, uh, de- death is doing to important persons, people, in ecstatics. I think it's th- – when she was a central character in the book, it was really – it was very strong. And and mm-hmm. she was the most likable character uh, by a long uh, – a very w- wide margin. And then now it's like, oh, yeah, remember how good it was back then? Well, right. it, it ain't that now. That That's kind of how I approach ecstatics. Yeah. It's kind of like the story – after death of jean gray well, you know like sure. you, you yeah. missed it, missed a bunch of stuff but yeah. we're just going to we'll keep her in our in our hearts but she's not around anymore yeah <laughs> another thing and and again i realize everyone
3: that's listening to the episode is thinking well geez i thought we were going to talk about good omens we are but i think it's really hard to convey the significance in as much as any superhero book has significance Uh, of this without talking about X-Force because not only did it make an abrupt switch and for those that still have no idea what we're talking about uh, X-Force was first came New Mutants most famously Rob Liefeld took over the book New Mutants begat X-Force which of course famously X-Force number one sold 8 million copies I believe to this day is the top selling Marvel single issue of all time um Rob left uh, with all the other guys to do image, but that's pretty much what happened in the first few issues of X-Force is pretty much what happened for the next 115 issues, (laughs) relatively the same team. Um, Lots and lots of nineties, big guns, big pouches, big action, not always the most coherent plots. And that's the way it was for roughly a decade. I think the series started in 91 and this changeover happened in 2001. And That day, the day that 116 came out, X-Force 116, is the same day that new X-Men 114 came out, which for those playing at home was the first issue of the extremely well-regarded and pivotal Grant Morrison run. So you had Quesada now as the as the editor-in-chief. And we've talked about this before. This is a period of intense creativity where Marvel from a commercial standpoint, it was coming off of a very bad time. Um, they had been dealing with bankruptcy and and creatively weren't weren't perceived as in a great place. So they brought uh, Palmiotti and Casada in, who did Marvel Knights, and then and then that was so successful that Casada really got full run of the place and uh, brought Axel Alonso over, who many may remember was the Marvel EIC for uh, quite a um, number of years until a year or two ago when C.B. Sobolski replaced him. And at the time Axel was young. I mean he was in his early twenties, uh maybe late twenties by then, but in his twenties, and he was at he had he had cut his teeth as a uh Vertigo editor under um Karen Berger. And so he wanted to bring a vertigo aesthetic to some of the key Marvel IP that were struggling uh uh commercially. And so Milligan and Allred were people he knew, creators he knew from Vertigo uh, and the indie scene. And that's he. So he was Axel was really the the driving force of this particular uh, soft reboot, if you will. And so One Sixteen comes out, and it's a massive deal, not just because of the contrast in art style. Which is to say, for a lot of people, I think probably the majority of people at the time, this was the first they'd ever seen Mike Allred. Because, you know, I mean, again, I don't know that Mad Men was ever a huge seller, right? I mean, I, I was aware of it, but I, I don't know that, like, I, I just would imagine a lot more people were exposed to Allred's art when this book launched than than they had pre- seen previously. Um, and I, I, I think Allred's art is phenomenal, But it is, like many things, like when Quietly did... It's distinct. It's quite distinct from what you would have considered the Marvel House style at the time, particularly coming off the 90s image
1: Which which boggles my mind, because Allred's style was the Marvel House style in its formative years. He is nothing... Absolutely. Yeah, so the the people that were, were complaining, like, this is not a Marvel book. No, learn your history, bub. This is exactly what Marvel yeah. started out as.
3: Well, you bring up a good point because, as you may recall, I have, I've over the time that we've all been friends, I have come to love Morrison's X-Men run um, and, and hold it in, in just about the highest regard possible. But when it came out, I was all kinds of bothered by it. Yeah. For a litany of reasons, including the art, which, again, is ironic because I think Quietly's a master now. But But at the time, off the shelves... I was very much like, "What the f is this?" Whereas with this, while some some of the, like you said, a lot of the readers were were also like, "What the hell is this kind of art?" I, for some reason, immediately had no problem with this, and I think it's because, as you said, it in its own way was 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 harkening back to the way Marvel Comics looked when I first started reading Marvel Comics. Um, right. So yes, yeah, so, so 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 that happens, and then the other interesting thing about this is that issue number one sixteen of X-Force, which introduces this team, was the first Marvel comic to not abide by the Comics Code Authority. Uh, they had every every comic that Marvel put out from 1972 on uh, had the Comics Code Authority approval stamp. And this was the comic where they drew the line in the sand and said, nope, we don't care, because the CCA said we're not going to approve it, it's too, it's too gory. And Marvel said, we don't care. And from that point on, stopped caring about abiding by the comics code authority.
1: Hmm. I, I don't think that's entirely true. I, I think true. I think amazing Spider-Man 90 Oh
0: yeah. No, the, yeah. The drug issue was the first Marvel comic without a, without the CCA. Yeah. That's
1: 1970.
3: They, this had been the, this had been the first comic to not have the CCA since
1: 1973. Right. Wait, right. So that's yeah. 1973.
3: Now, maybe. Now, well, I said, so, you know, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Right. I said yeah. the seventies. That's it's about
0: 70s. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Now, uh, to, to, yes, as far as the Allred art, I mean, you can't get a bigger 180 from Rob Liefeld than than Mike Allred. But well, uh, and Rob
3: wasn't doing the book when.
0: Oh no, no, I know, I know. But if you're gonna, I mean, he, he kicked it off, and now yeah. and, and Allred kind of kicks off the the new generation. But uh, your timeline is a bit. Um, you're fast forwarding a bit when it comes to the editor in chiefs because um, Quesada was EIC. From 2000 to uh, 2010, and Alonso came on then until 2017.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. You misunderstood. I said Casada was the EIC. Casada brought Alonso on, and Alonso was the editor of this book. Alonso it, was but the editor.
0: It made it, it, it. made it sound like you were saying that. Okay, right. Okay, yes, yes. He was all right. The the line of yeah, okay, yeah. So just to be clear. Casada was the
3: EIC. You. Yes, and he brought Axel Alonso over now from I'm Vertigo saying. to help spruce up the line and one of Axel's first things at Marvel was this book. Yeah. that's awesome.
1: Well, one of the things I wanted to interject in the in the uh art discussion was it it not only shows you uh how far Marvel had changed from the 60s when you get a book uh, an artist like Alred on the book who's very much like the formative Marvel artists and the current then current readers were like what is this. It also shows you Just how deeply the image guys had sunk their talents into the Marvel readership. Because they defined the look of Marvel for a (laughs) lot of years. And they were highly successful. And people responded to it. So that became, they became the Marvel style. And so when you, when you get a guy that looks like the OGs in a current crop of image artists, I mean, I think that's a a good way to to d- describe them. That that image style with the pa- the pouches and the pecs and the giant guns and and the uh, just hyperkinetic stuff. And then you put Alred into it. Of course, they're they're not going to understand it. Yeah, it, yeah, you're right. But they're not understanding it. A good number of them were not very kind to Mister Alred, and it was something right. you know that that stuck in my craw because as someone who loves his work can you not see the brilliance in this the you oh, i mean it,
3: i'll 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 leave it to you it sounds like you you've been hinting that you did not enjoy this book as much as you did when it when you first read it and that that's fine but i will say that no matter what i think we can all agree that the art is timeless uh, the art is oh phenomenal. yeah yeah
1: no the art is the definite hook the the art is, is it, well, it is static, it's unchanging, it will always be. And what it is, to my eyes, is it's just gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Um, and then the other thing I think that I'm suspecting, for those who are reading it for the first time, what can, can't get lost is the significance in, in the place in comics history, which is to say that um, reading this in 2020 doesn't feel very um, edgy or distinctive or even all that controversial of a view, which is to say ultimately this book is about parodying the concept of um, fame and quest for fame and monetizing fame uh, and reality television. And uh, those things are so embedded in our culture now I mean, reality, every half things that are on TV are reality TV, quote unquote reality TV. Um, and, And these ideas have been played with so many times since. But much like when we've talked about other historical books, it's really important when you think about this series to remember that this was put out in 2001 through 2004. And then the ideas that Milligan and Allred play with here are. Incredibly forward-thinking, and and so much so that now you read it and you're like, oh well, okay, I, I obviously like this makes sense. Back then, this was a this was a uproarious hot take. This idea that um, we we were just getting into this this culture of reality TV. There was some more debate than anything about whether it was even worthwhile to produce and and what's the point of it all. And we had things like Big Brother and Survivor, and Real World, but that's about it, and the idea that this could be bastardized, and we could um, you know, that we could eventually uh, become so obsessed with fame, that it would be about the fame, and about the fortune instead of of, of doing doing good, or having purpose um, I, I give them a ton of credit, because they were very much on on trend in terms of where our world was going. But again, if you read this in 2020, it seems just like it's parodying the reality. But back then they were very much forward thinking in that, that we would get to a point where this kind of thing would be commonplace and not seem all that unusual. Right. And I think that's totally lost on a first time reader because it's just like a lot of science fiction. Like it is the reality that we live in now, right? Where, where people are famous for being famous. (laughs) <laughs> like, and that's the, there's just value in that. Like just being famous is, is a thing, but, but, but having a super team who was a, basically a for-profit team and it was all about getting ratings and faking things to get, to get better ratings and killing people off to get ratings and to make money and merchandising and all that stuff. I mean, that was a novel, uh, biting satire of our society at the time that these guys launched this book.
1: Yeah. So I remember back in the day. Um, the DC guys at the local shop were eyeing the book up, and they're like, you know, DC, you don't know from Adam what's going on at Marvel, the, the hardcore guys anyway. And they're mm-hmm. just like, hey, what's this book? And I said, well, picture it, a team of Booster Golds. They're mutant Booster <laughs> Golds. And yeah. they're like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. And That's a good analogy, yeah. B- but to the extreme, like... um, where booster is is an anomaly or was in the dc universe now you have a whole team of them at marvel and it just it, um it i look uh you're, you're you're completely correct um back when it was coming out i i read it and i enjoyed it and uh i would actively promote it because of the alred artwork but with twenty twenty eyes, it it encapsulates everything I have grown to hate about this world.
3: Right, right. Yeah. No, I I, I think that's right. I, I think rereading it now was for me probably it sounds like it was wasn't as hard to enjoy it as it was for you, but but I did I think the interpretation of it feels different because this was so quirky. It wasn't just different art style and a total status quo change and all new characters. I mean, they, every character in this book was new, not talking about the cameos, or whatever I'm saying of the, of the characters. It so it was so, it was so, it was so unique for all those reasons, but it was also, as you said, it was unique for the tone and for what, the approach it was taking. And like you said, now you read it and you're just like, Oh, this is spot on. And I don't like that. That's the way the world is. And so it's, I, I can see reading this now if it's your first time reading it, and I'd love for hear Dap's thoughts in this, where you would find a lot of these characters, if not all of them, unlikable, because they're about this life, like they're bought in to this idea of being rich and famous for the sake of being rich and famous. Um, so, being having you not read it before, Dap, I mean, was it lost on you? The like, did you did you ponder how this would have? read or seemed more quote unquote important back in two thousand and one or did it not even
0: cross your mind? No, I, I When I finished it the first the first thing I wrote down as far as notes go was that um I was completely lost from jump. But it's as as that's just, you know, like you said earlier, where you are just being thrown in because it's 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 the third or so arc. I, I tend to I read it, and and judged it on its own thing with with, with these five or so issues here, and um, and after and it, so I consumed it to face value whatever's on the page, then afterwards I think about the era of of when it was when it was published because I it, it's it's not. I, I tend to, I, I don't read everything as soon as it comes out. And and I mean, granted, and we have a lot of things that, you know, even if it's been published in the past couple of years, it's still relatively new. But uh, something like this, I have to think about what else is going on in the world. And it'd be the same thing if, if Hard Traveling Heroes won or, or Brad Pack. If, if we mm-hmm. read Bratpack now, Brad Pack would not be, for somebody who's never read it, and and maybe vaguely familiar with Watchmen and 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 is familiar with uh, Kirkman's work, things like that. Anything that that Veach did back then is not going to be groundbreaking to them. They're not going to be blown away by it. But at the time, it was pretty fucking heavy. This this I have to look. At. I, I'm, I'm thinking about the rest of Marvel's output at the time and how how off kilter and off the wall it is. And and to see, I mean, you know, they they mentioned Xavier and and obviously the X is there, so. There's the connection to Marvel's Mutants, but it is, it's, it's not the Marvel Mutants that, that I'm familiar with or I recognize. And, um, knowing that it is all about celebrity and, and the cameras are on them and people are trying to, you know, guess the identity of the mysterious fanboy and, 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 and how they go after the big bat in the first few issues, who, who's, presented in the first few issues it's um i do think about when it was made and what else was going on in the world so it 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 wasn't i didn't i read it and 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 the first pass through and 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 it is what it is and then and then yeah then so it it, yes to answer your question yeah i do tend to um think about what else is going on it'd be the same thing if i was reading you know a, a superman issue from from the 50s or 60s or the you know, lowest lane wants to become a black woman and and you know it, it, there are certain things where you're just like okay obviously that's uh, this is of its time and um right right it it's not uh, not to say that it can't be done today because obviously like you said, it, 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 it reality everything's a reality show so um this wouldn't seem to, the the characters might be different, but I, I I maybe not because i I tend to think if someone had i mean we see it on all the we see it on top chef as soon as the camera comes on it's like and and we know reality shows are some of the most heavily scripted shows on TV anyway so so everything is going to be amped up for the camera they're going to go to the extreme and 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 so for these characters that might not be all that likable in a team setting if they were being. If they were at Xavier School, they might be hard to take. That that was kind of amplified here, knowing that they're celebrities and the cameras are on them and and, and so so them you not being able to tolerate them wasn't lessened just because they're on TV or, or, or they're being shown on TV. It it, it is I, I guess I kinda of lean more towards Vince where yeah, the characters are are kind of hard to take. Sure. Yeah, no I get that. I, I I can see that if you
1: didn't have the history with them. So.
2: Yeah.
1: But there was one that wasn't hard to take. Mm. But yeah. they they removed her from for the equation. What do you yeah. do?
3: Um so, so um yeah, so I mean do you, should we just jump into the issues or how, Yeah, why not? I, well, I I guess one other thing. One uh, I I mean Vince has kind of alluded so, so you didn't really enjoy rereading this Vince.
1: When you find yourself um, lavishing uh, the the uh, fall of your eyes on the contours of the female characters instead of what's going on in the story, mm-hmm. mm, yeah, it, it, it was it was a very hard sell for me, but it, not so much because I could look at the way um, allred drew venus and like wow that's a great pose and uh his panel composition that saved it mm-hmm. for me but the uh the uh self-promotion to the nth degree and the media blitz and the constant surveillance by the mm-hmm. uh yeah it's just it's it's I, I, it's everything i hate about the world um
2: sure.
1: yeah yeah. yeah all, no, all wrapped it. up in one little package but thank yeah. god thank god that it was illustrated by Allred and Pope, mm-hmm.
2: yeah,
0: and Cook. And, I, I was giddy when I got to the end of the first issue, and and I see the the Cook art, and I was like, "Damn, that's just
3: yeah." it is worth mentioning. So in the um, in the X Force run, which was issues one sixteen through one twenty nine, uh, Allred draws the vast majority credit to him on that. Uh, but there is a Darwin Cook issue, and there is a Duncan Figueroa issue. Yeah. Actually, the last issue is Duncan Ficredo. Uh And then in Ecstatics, uh, the entirety of the series was 25 issues. Um, 26 issues? 25 or 26. Um, Allred draws most of them, but Cook does a bit. Uh, there is uh, some early Nick Dregotta, um in here. Very early. <laughs> As in, like... And Nick is Dragata has talked about this. He he was brought onto this book, basically, be, be, with almost no time. He had to rush and do the book. It was, he, it was his first big shot to work at Marvel, and they essentially told him to try and mimic uh, Alred. So it wasn't he he was he wasn't drawing. This does not look like the Nick Dragada of the Trolls East of West, um, for lots of reasons. But uh, but Dragata, yeah. yes. So, so uh, and then there was also. Um, one of my complaints about this book as it goes on beyond this arc that we're going to talk about uh, is that I don't know whether Allred just was getting behind or what have you, but um, whereas in the X-Force it was pretty much him doing almost everything, for a lot of ecstatics he is credited as the penciler and then one of the co-inkers, but then a lot of times like Jay bone or... Um, um, uh, who am I forgetting? There was Jay Bone or, or one, I got to think, but there's one other person who who were who were the inkers, and um and again they were fine, but but all red should ink himself. Like it's it's so distinctive that that I think uh, something's lost in translation when he's not inking himself. So um, I think the art was never better than it, I think this 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 arc. And all of X Force is where the art was at its best.
1: Was it uh, Jay Stevens did some of the inking? No, I want to say like Phil Folio, maybe.
0: No, oh. no, no, Philip
3: Bond. Philip Bond.
0: Oh, okay.
3: J Bone and Philip Bond were the inkers quite often.
0: Well, J Bone usually paired up with uh, with Cook. He inked Albert as well. Yeah, and this he does. Wow. Yeah.
3: So, but uh, yeah. Um, So, do you want me to? Yes, please. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. So we jump right into the fray, and they try and give you a taste of what came before. By we're seeing scenes of the original X Force team, um, which included a few of the members in this book. But it's uh, the in the first you're seeing a battle and it is uh it is you go girl uh zeitgeist, who was the leader at the time uh and uh, the anarchist Tyke Alakar fighting uh and you see a narr- you just see narration saying i i might hate uh, I might hate this and I might hate them like I'd just gotten used to the new x force and then we we see panels and flashbacks and basically it's a narrator explaining to you what came before in the pages of x force that there was a team. That he had just come to like the team, in particular Edie Sawyer, aka U Go Girl, and that uh he's upset that they are all of a lot of them have been killed off already. And uh how are fans like him supposed to react? And um and I and I think right in the second page of the series we get a great example of why Al is a beast. Because you cut away and you see this young boy who's the one that's the narrator, and these comic panels are drawn uh, three-dimensionally as though they're floating through the like the kid's looking at them like a slideshow and they're different panels from the old series and uh, he's kind of reacting to them all and um, he looks like a normal kid as he's just kind of complaining like a fanboy about how things have changed and that he'll, in particular he always loved uh, Edie you go girl and um, and then he's kind of brought out of his little his little spirit moment of reminiscing when uh, his bedroom door opens and his mom says that, uh, you know, dinner's on the table and that she made him his favorite. And uh, although weirdly enough, she can't remember what his favorite food is. It's kind of strange. Uh, And then they cut away and the boy looks normal on the side that we've seen him to this point, but the right side of his face is completely melted. Um, So like a two face, I guess you like, like even more deformed than, 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 two face. Um, and clearly his mom seems afraid of him for, for some as yet to be unknown reason. Um, and then we cut to what is current day and the current team. We've got now the now leader, um, who goes by the orphan. He was originally known as Mr. Sensitive in, uh, in the, in the, at the start of the series, he's the orphan, he's the leader. And, uh, he just avoids getting blown up by a cruise missile because Tyke Alakar, his teammate, uh, jumps and saves him and is like basically saying, what the fuck, dude? Like, You're trying to get yourself killed. And uh, he blows it off and says, nah, we're good. And, uh, and they go into battle and they have a bunch of dialogue. And, um, and then we cut away to a double-page spread, which really starts the series in earnest, and that is uh, where we get a glimpse of the whole team. And uh, we've got – the team at this point is, is – the leader, as I said, is, is uh, the orphan. He is a purple-skinned um, humanoid that has uh, antennae and uh, white hair. And his power is basically that he is incredibly sensitive. Like, all of his senses are off the charts. So, like, daredevil with eyesight, basically. Um, and it's so attuned that he wears a suit – that basically damped, dampens his uh, awareness because if he didn't have the suit on, he's effectively rendered catatonic because it's so overwhelming. He can't even function. Um, and then Ty Galakar is the, the right-hand man. He's uh, basically portrayed in a lot of the series as the angry black man. But we come to find out um, over the series that he's he was actually raised by white parents and he's got OCD. And one of the reasons he has OCD is that he always felt the need to try and wash the black away from himself. So um so it's like they get into some pretty heady and I'm sure as we talk about this, like they do get into some heady concepts, at least on the racial front. Um, and I think one of the ironies of this book as a series is that they like pretty much blanketly objectify women, but but then deal with a lot of other pretty woke issues of the time. Like they're very, very forward thinking in uh normalizing and the acceptance of of uh of like homosexuality and of race relations. But at the same time, the book is like ridiculously objectifying women. So it's it's kind of funny how uh, I, I guess Milligan was woke in some ways, but not in others. Um, then you've got uh, Dead Girl, who whose power basically is that she's dead. <laughs> so, so she's got like – she's like a healer. I mean she's like any other, other – she, she's already dead, so she can get blown to bits like Wolverine and then heal completely back to the way she was. You've got Vivisector, who is um, a werewolf essentially. Um, he's a, a book nerd, a smart guy who happens to also be a werewolf. You've got uh, probably my favorite character, uh, Fat, <laughs> he, uh He's a white boy who, who uh, fancies himself a big fan of uh, black culture. And uh, he has... Uh, he's got a, a tons of extra skin, like Flab, that he can control. Uh, and then you've got Dupe, who uh, probably Vince must hate because Dupe's pretty much the only role... His, his his only role is to just film everything that goes on at all times. Uh, yeah, he yeah. he is pretty much the videographer of uh, of, of of this team, and uh, and this team is is owned. It's an actual it's a, it's an incorporated team that's uh, owned by a guy, a billionaire a young billionaire named Spike Freeman, and uh, and he 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 monetizes this. They they film everything through Dupe and everybody watches it happen live and they do all kinds of specials and they sell it and they're all famous and celebrities and all sort sort of things but but uh and that's kind of the the whole gimmick here so they have a mission um mission goes okay then they're back there's some interaction there's some you know uh like th- one of the things i think is interesting is that dap you know i'm wondering when you were reading it so there's a they're in the shower together and uh they're all showering and at one point fat says to vivisector uh, he kind of freaks out and he says, yo, he was looking at me. And, uh, and then Vivisector says, I was looking for the soap, you idiot. And, uh, and then fat says that ain't where the soap set kept man. And then like Mr. Sensitive or the orphan breaks it up and says, y'all, you know, do your thing. And Vivisector comments that uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he mentions that fat is trying to force his newly recovered heterosexuality down our throats. So, do you remember as you were reading that, like, were you completely lost with that? Or did you did you impute I, I, that that they I, were... No, I was going to say, like, did you... Because this is where, again, if you had read this, you know what's happening here, which is to say that when these guys joined the team, Vivisector is gay. Uh, now, Fat is also gay, but he's in the closet, and he doesn't right. acknowledge that he's gay. Uh, but during the run of X-Force, he... And Vivisector start having a uh a, a relationship. And um and it's I think handled pretty well and, and like they're very like they're a loving, monogamous couple. But then he goes back in the closet, and that's where we pick up in this series, he's pretending again to not be gay, and that's what Vivisector's alluding to. But I was wondering if that was all completely lost on you having not read what came before.
0: No, I kind of just rolled with it, whether or not it was, um, banter between, between teammates to get under each other's skin, because it, it, at the end of this volume, to jump ahead, mm-hmm. um, they both come to the realization that, yes, they are, well, there's sector is, but, but, but yes, Fat is also gay and, um, but they are not attracted to each other and, it, um, Fat prefers the brothers, so, um. It was explained as things as, by the time we got got to the end, but it, it, this was just one of those instances where um, I, I chalked it up to me coming in late. Right, right, okay. And then we cut to
3: an entirely different group. It's a TV show um, with a host named Solomon O'Sullivan, and he's introducing everybody to a quartet of mutants who will be competing that night to join the most democratic superhero team around, the O-Force. And uh, these four mutants um, are introduced. Then we get a a view of other mutants based on the current standings. Kind of like our Book of the Month, you see percentages of votes with the idea presumably that uh, the top vote-getters after the end of this reality show competition will become members of this new team called the O-Force. And uh, they fight and cut back to our team... The ecstatics are watching uh, this this TV show in uh, sort of abject uh, disgust, and are, they're mocking the contestants, and uh, you know, basically implying that they're like a, a terrible uh, uh, version of uh, of what what ecstatics is, and, and aren't real heroes or worthy of uh, the attention they're getting. Um, and then, um, and and then we have a lot of cutaways in the first issue, and then we cut away to. Another character named Venus De Milo. Uh, she is basically Kirby dots. Like she's a character made of Kirby dots. She's en- made of energy, and she's wearing a suit that gives her a female form. But in essence, um, she's just a bunch of black Kirby dot energy. Um, she's
0: like wildfire. She's um, wildfire. Yeah, yeah. She's like wildfire from the oh region.
3: yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah, um, and she has been. She's been pushed by the owner of the team to be the new member of, of, of the team. They need a new member because of the deaths that happened. And um, Venus de Milo, like, she pre- she's, she checks all the boxes. She's attractive. She's, uh, she's, got a, she's a world-class teleporter. Um, she, so, in other words, she's just, like, the perfect candidate in, in their minds. But, but the orphan is reluctant. He's reluctant to add her to the team. And it's important to remember that uh, Venus de Milo, the person they're trying to recruit, is a teleporter, and Yugo Girl, the, to Vince's point, best character from X-Force, who was killed, um, she was also a teleporter. And so they're they're trying to replace her functionality. And Yugo Girl and uh, the orphan were a couple. So he's, he's just feeling salty about the whole idea of, like, replacing his girl. He's just not really feeling it, but... Uh, but there is a lot of reason to think that she would be a good mem- addition to the team, and uh, and so they're also looking at uh, other other uh, potential replacements for their other deceased teammate. And we see them all kind of battling each other, trying to figure it out. And uh, and uh, you know, they, they Mister Sensitive Orphan is just he's struggling with it. He's he's uh, he's just having trouble accepting the fact that Edie's gone and that he has to replace her and. Uh, he hates the owner. He hates Spike Freeman, understandably, because of what Spike's doing is just trying to monetize them. And, you know, it's just the, the team is in a fractured place at this point. Um, and they they finally do agree that that Venus would be a good addition to the team. And they're all excited by it. And they expect to have this huge crowd of reporters that are ready to welcome Venus, uh, have a big press conference, and nobody shows up. And uh, it turns out nobody shows up because this o Force team, has been picked, and they are in the middle of their first official battle, and everybody's paying attention to that. And and, uh, so we cut back to the sloppy-faced boy, and we get his backstory. Uh, Basically, his name is Arnie, and uh, he was beaten and abused for being different, and um, Arnie is like an Omega-level mutant. He basically is like Molecule Man. He can effectively change reality um to suit him and i was wondering if vince when i read this i was thinking of that um was it uh was it it wasn't creep show was it was it creep show what was the there was a there was one of those like twilight zone or creep show movies in the 80s where one of the vignettes was the kid that was omnipotent
0: oh no yeah when he wished him into the conference that was um that was twilight zone that was Twilight and, Zone, and right? and and he gave the woman the the no mouth that yes. freaked me the fuck out
2: when yes. I was a kid. Yes. Holy <laughs> shit, that
3: I have my mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the, and the crazy like uh, big eyed like wolf monster came out of the TV, and so this reminded me of that. Like this omnipotent kid who's mentally unstable takes over a small town and holds them hostage. I mean, I kind of felt like a, a total rip of that Twilight Zone for me, for me, but. Um, I don't know. I I guess maybe I'm the only one who thought that. But but in any event, um, they they go to check out what's happening. And Orphan and Venus de Milo are together and basically bond. um, And that's kind of your first issue. It's a lot of jump cuts, a lot of trying to establish backstory, a lot of trying to setting the status quo for the new team. But I do think it asks a lot of the reader in terms of why you should care about any of these people and their backstory because they don't really give you a lot. They 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 hint at things, but they don't really give you any kind of emotional resonance to build off
1: of. Yeah. Um the saving grace for me on this new read through was the uh what I'm going to perceive as social commentary on the part of the creative team. Where initially we see Arnie looking at bygone days with the team and he's like, I don't I don't get this new stuff. It, what's happening? This is not what I fell in love with. Now I get this, and it's it's a shadow of, of what, you know, my X-Force. And I could see that as a little bit of uh, meta on the part of the creative team saying, yeah, there's probably a lot of people right now that feel like Arnie, you know? Oh, definitely. Well,
3: and, and one of the things with the X-Force run, I don't remember if it was 118 or 119, but at whatever point, um, the... X-Force that was in the book until 115 shows up at this X-Force's headquarters to fight because they are mad that they're using their name and it's uh, Cannonball Sunspot My Girl Domino and uh, who's the fourth? Oh Boom Boom
2: <laughs> and,
3: and they show up and they like start a big grapple with them over the name because basically Spike Freeman appropriated the name but he had to pay a, ro- a royalty and that's why they changed the name to Ecstatics, because he doesn't own the X-Force name. So he wants to rebrand them, and that's how the book right. basically gets to the soft relaunch. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go back and figure out why they did the relaunch, because if you're reading X-Force, they're leading you a horse to water. It's obvious that they had already had planned to relaunch it as Ecstatics, because they're talking about the fact that they need to do team name and all this. Like It's not like they just abruptly say, all right, you know what, let's let's start over with a new number one, because again, this was in two thousand and two or three when that happened that was before i mean now we take for granted that books get relaunched at number one all the time that wasn't really the case back then I mean it happened every now and then, but it wasn't a common thing so to to do so was a pretty big deal and um yeah i'm just i'm I'm not sure i mean the the, the this book let's also be clear this book didn't sell well no. like it didn't right like it it was not a to whatever extent they were trying to shake things up to reignite interest, it had just the opposite effect. Yeah. Whatever X Force was selling, this sold on a lot less.
1: To the point where they started bringing in established Marvel Universe characters just yeah. to get the attention. Right. Of the they
3: brought Wolverine. Well, they brought X Force in. They brought Wolverine in. And Doctor Strange. Um, yeah. Doctor Strange. One of the li- one of the li- then one of the subsequent arcs in in Ecstatics beyond what we did for Book of the Month is is Ecstatics uh, versus the Avengers.
1: Right. Yeah. So uh, another little bit of commentary that I, I thought was very poignant and reflects the tastes of the general public was when the O Force were uh, polling for members, uh, popularity contests for the members, and you had uh, three, six, eight characters that the majority of them are very non-human looking. Uh, they look like sideshow freaks for the most part. Uh one of them, the the uh w- looks like an inhuman beast, but he looks savage. The the forerunner in all of these uh characters is a gorgeous green skinned, green haired girl. Yeah, named Ocean. Yeah. yeah, so it speaks to the taste, like sex cells and people are going to gravitate towards the 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 tna or the the instant visual gratification where you get uh, a guy ocelot he's basically you know jojo the dog face boy and, yeah. he, and he only brought in 11 percent. and orifice who i love mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got <laughs> vagina dentata he only gets three mm-hmm. percent so you have all these um outcasts non-human that aren't Garnering the majority of the points, and this beautiful green skinned, green haired girl gets twenty two percent. So it's just it's just a commentary on, on you know social ta- tastes in, among the pup mm-hmm. population. I I think I thought it was very poignant, uh, and and true, but um, the issue. I don't remember if this dupe uh, story was published in the first issue of X.
0: Um, it was in the giant size issue
1: yeah uh it 's Darwin Cook, basically, they have to take care of that uh the hair trigger dude what 's his name yeah. corkscrew. corkscrew because uh, yeah. he 's just entirely too violent. he killed a um a, a mutant during training or or whatever yeah tryouts, yeah, tryouts, yeah. and so um dupe takes him on a little expedition uh unknown to to corkscrew. Uh, and this is what really got me. I, I think this story's great because they take this little uh, mutant potato mm-hmm. that's cute and waves to people on the letters pages and speaks its own um, arcane language. Uh, giant-eyed, you know, mascot of the team, and in, uh, apparently innocuous—just this little fun floating mutant potato. And he savagely hacks the corkscrew apart with an axe. They yep. it, they just bury this problem under a uh, uh, under the carpet by having dupe. You don't as- fuck with dupe, dude. No, I and but th- this was the moment I, I I realized that like dupe is much much more than uh, a mascot. He's he's uh, bloodthirsty. Do what I got to do, kind of thing. Uh, but the, the the panel I love in this is he's covered in blue blood after hacking apart this mutant, and he uh, the second to last panel before he turns off the video recorder is just this why this shit eating grin on this little green potato, I and mean, it's so cute. But he's still covered in this guy's blood. He just murdered someone. <laughs> uh, it's a good little story.
3: Yeah, yeah. The letters page is great. Like the letters page is irate. Oh, it's the best. I'm glad they included those. Like, the letters page is just like people being like, You killed Edie? What the fuck? Mm-hmm. And like, like this was, you dropped the comics code authority to make this book uproarious, and then you can't even curse in it. Like, what the, like, what, What? like, you have to, like, it's just funny. Like, every, it, like, I, I like that they pop, but every letter is just like, You guys suck. Like, what, Like why did yep. you, yeah. Why did you kill? It's just funny because it's like, Oh, boy, like, it's kind of like, it is kind of what happens with the book.
1: Um, It's some of the best uh, parts uh, from back in the day and now was reading the letters uh, because it just shows you just how beloved certain things are. And when you stray from that, you stray from reader or audience expectation, they, they fly, they lose their shit. And yeah. I, I just love it when when a creative team just tweaks its audience, just fuck you, whatever we want. Yeah, sales be damned. Which is ironic because you're working for Marvel. Sales do not be damned at Marvel. <laughs> so I, yeah, it was a neat little inclusion. I'm glad they put them in there. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh and then second issue starts up with the O force having been, shall we say, victorious. They killed the basically their mission was to rescue a bunch of Hollywood actors who were kidnapped by some Muslim extremists and they end up killing all of the extremists, but it, but it, it's, it's very much a staged thing. Um, the, uh, the villains were actors as well. Uh, but they were legit killed. They didn't know they were going to get killed, but, uh, it was all staged to make go force look good by their manager. And, um, uh, and, and yeah, so, and then we, 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 we see, we see the we see that unfold. And then, we're back to the town with arnie and uh and arnie's uh just walking down the street and he's having an interaction with uh, what was his music teacher and uh <laughs> and he 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 turns his music teacher's hands into these horribly disfigured angles almost like an M. Escher type of a uh, a scene so they're they're completely unusable um and she's just being cruel. He's just being cruel. And uh then his mom rolls up and, and begs him to fix the man's hands. Um and Arnie's like, nah, he used to make fun of me, and she says, Well, but he already apologized for that and can't go around doing this sort of thing, and and then Arnie says, Well, you keep talking shit to me, mom, maybe I'm gonna fuck with you too. You know? <laughs> and uh she obviously then like acquiesces about you know, she loves him so forth and so on and um but he goes about his business and then he starts kind of taking a stroll and, you know, he comes across a man that's uh, that's been deformed facially. And then he comes across a, uh, a, a looks like Britney Spears. Yeah. Like Britney on Dog. The head of a, yeah. Like on the head <laughs> of a, a Dalmatian. So it's just clear like he's he's just fucking around at this town now because he was uh, made fun of for being deformed. And now he's got these powers and he's just he's just running havoc on this town. And they're 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 just uh, at his his beck and call. And, um, and then we have, uh, that we're back to, to X statics and, and they're on a the mission and, and we see them in action. And, and by this point it's worth noting, I mean, other than the new members, they, they're very much a pretty polished team at this point. They've gone on lots of missions together. Um, so, uh, you know, so they're kind of like doing their thing and this is where all those is the Venus to Milo's first mission, um, and that's the big story. Like, that's the reality show story as they zoom in. And it's like, oh, it's Venus de Milo's first mission. And, um, uh, but it turns out, once they show her on screen, that, uh, that uh, Mr. O'Sullivan apparently has claims to her. And it seems as though she might, in fact, be under contract for him. So he says to his lawyers, like, we've got some contractual matters to deal with. And uh, so they're all successful in their mission. But uh, but turns out that uh, they, you know, she she's basically embargoed from being part of the team because uh, she already had signed a contract to be part of uh, O'Sullivan's crew. And uh, there's also a lot of political infighting going on with Tyke Al- Tyke Alakar and uh, and the orphan, because Tyke's always wanted to be the leader. And uh, the orphan is kind of the reluctant leader. He wasn't. Uh, Edie wanted to be the leader and then when she was thought she was going to be the leader they made the orphan the leader instead and, uh, so they've got beef they've got like alpha male beef going back and forth and um, they have issues in terms of like who they blame for Edie's death and uh, it was just bad blood just, just bad blood had had boiled up um, and as they're infighting with each other um, they had asked Venus de Milo to get rid of this bum and she comes back and she got rid of the bomb but she's like freaking out and she screams and she's unstable and then we get this explosion of she basically explodes out of her suit and we get all kinds of Kirby dots and and, yeah. and red red like uh energy outpouring and and she kind of blows up and well, because, sort of kind of but she blows up
1: because she teleported the bomb to the bottom of the ocean where the pressure yeah. is much different so the pressure affected her to the point where when she decompressed came back into the surface world her body her her energy couldn't take it so it 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 uh, disperses i yeah. thought that i thought that yeah. was neat i like that that idea
2: mm-hmm.
3: also uh fat was basically a, he was unable to use his powers during their battle and almost got himself and others killed because of it so now that they're back at their headquarters debriefing he's he's kind of saying like well i don't know what to do i can't use my fat anymore and uh and uh, vivisector's like well dude i mean like it goes deeper than that. You can't use your I don't think you can use your fat right now because you're not being your true self. Um you're not accepting who you really are. Meaning, you know, you're pretending like you're back in the closet, dude. Like if and and by not being true to yourself, you're you're not accessing your powers. Um So, you know, they 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 play with that concept. Um then we've got Vivisector and uh not Vivisector, uh we've got uh Alakar and an orphan Browing each other up, giving the bro hugs, saying "my bad, sorry, we're fighting." It's all good. It's all good. And uh, and and dead girl is um is also anarchist Ty like, girlfriend. She's kind of playing peacemaker, and uh, they make they make peace, what have you. And and uh, the orphan goes in to uh, check on Venus De Milo, and when he walks into a room, he sees this giant Kirby esque egg like pod with uh, this this pink and black energy in it. And, uh, it's actually where Venus is chilling. She's basically getting re rebuilt, re energized. And, uh, professor Xavier had built this for her to, uh, recharge herself. But then she flies out of it back into her suit and, uh, and away they go. So, um, and, uh, they go on a date Venus to Milo and, uh, and, uh, Orphan go on a date, but while they're on their date uh, she gets egged uh, by some uh, friends of Edie, people that uh, basically are mad that she has replaced Edie in their favorite team. And uh, <laughs> friends of Edie, and they're calling her the Whore of Babylon. The Whore son, of Babylon, she, uh, that's the you best. Know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so it's like, poor girl, like, she's done nothing wrong. and uh, You know, so, like, but, and then she gets mad at him because she said, you knew this was going to happen. And he said, well, I thought it was possible. So uh dick. yeah, he was kind of a dick about the whole thing and she's like by the way like that wasn't even a date like you're not my type and um so you know like again it's just like a lot of machinations about the team the team unit and uh as they're as they're as they're having their comeuppance with each other and coming to terms with uh, the way the night went uh Spike Freeman shows up and he says uh get a load of this and our you know our competitors the O Force are about to go on their second mission they're trying to liberate a town in Minnesota from this kid named Arnie. And uh, they put on the screen this the Arnie kid and uh, and like, you know, basically they imply like, hey, like this is this dude's serious business. They're not going to be ready for this. And uh, and then Sharon Ginsburg shows up. And Sharon Ginsburg is a lawyer who works for O'Sullivan and she serves them papers. It's a cease and desist saying that Venus DeMilo cannot be part of the team because of the aforementioned contract. And that's how the issue ends. Yep, yep. Issue number three picks up exactly where we left off, where uh, Ginsburg is explaining the situation and how they have her under contract, and that Venus De Milo can't uh, can't you know be part of the team. Um, kind of reveling in it, and they, uh, you know, she says, "Hey, well, it is what it is," and uh, Venus De Milo is not happy about it, but. For now, there's nothing they can really do. And in the meantime, there's tension between Dead Girl and Venus de Milo. Uh, Then you get kind of dupe as a little bit of comic relief. And uh, they're all just kind of talking about what they need to do, going into this town. Should they intervene? Um, And uh, basically, they're all in a bad place. Then you have Vivisector drunk and unhappy and He's, uh, he's, he's having an existential crisis about whether, uh, like whether he's gay or not, even though he very much is gay.
1: Yeah. Um, also pretty much the smartest guy in the room.
3: Oh no, yeah. he's, yeah, he's, he's a, he's a nerd. He's a brainiac. Um, so he's having an existential crisis. Meanwhile, fat has gone back to his hometown because he's not sure what his place on the team would be if he can't control his powers. And uh, he's like his home is a trailer park. He's a,
1: he's trailer trash, basically. Um, yeah, but he bought his parents a, a big ass beautiful home, yeah, but they don't want it. Trailer though, right? Yeah, they live in a trailer. Yeah. Um, and his sister's a quite a fetching young lady, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't want anything to do with him. Correct. Which has got to be a gut punch to the poor kid. And so he goes to a bar, and gets the shit kicked out of him he gets gay back cuz he doesn't have, yeah cuz he doesn't have his powers to defend him anymore so the people who at one time welcomed him as, you know, a celebrity they're just like screw you you ain't got no powers you're nothing you're just a you know um a, a gay wannabe
3: yeah. yeah Yep. then we cut back to O'Sullivan with the O Force and he's explaining to them the importance of fame and how it's the currency of America, it's the lifeblood of America.
1: It's true. Yeah. Well, he's not
3: wrong, right? Yep. Um, and basically says, "Listen, you know, Spike Freeman set you up, so you take this mission." And Guy Smith, aka the Orphan, shows up and uh, to their to their little meeting and engages them in in battle. Um, but he does a solo dolo, which is kind of dumb, so they kind of render him neutral neutralize him <laughs> <laughs> then we cut to arnie and that's a high school blowing up and uh arnie's just like i blew up a school today <laughs> so and there's all these people just thrown about uh and he's just going about his business and then he walks into a graveyard and he says uh okay troops attention implying that he's gonna i guess have the power to if need be resurrect the dead. For if anybody comes into the town to try and stop him from doing his
1: business. Yeah, well he knows the O force yeah. is coming. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And uh, so he's ready for them. Uh and then we cut back and we've got uh we've got a effectively a PR like rally uh event where Ty Galakar is the, the main draw and uh he and Dead Girl are entertaining the masses. Um and like this whole time the orphans still got this existential dread about whether they're doing the right thing and whether they should be so focused on fame and what have you and then we cut back to uh, the O-Force being in this town ready to uh, effectively take on Arnie and you see Arnie here uh, a little cutscene where he's watching them and he's got like war paint on and Cherokee feathers in his head and he's just ready for them um and he's more than ready for them because bombs go off, and then, and then it's like Walking Dead, you know, just just tons of like day day of the dead, just tons of undead zombies uh, crawling after the O Force and the uh, the the pretty ingenue that Vince mentioned, Ocean, the green skinned pretty girl on the team, has been blown to pieces. Her legs are gone; she's just a stump at this point, and so she's. She's stuck, and uh, like any good zombie movie, she's, uh, rather than be rescued by the uh, team captain, he leaves her be, and she gets engulfed by
1: zombies. Yeah, but what she says is she's being inundated by the undead. Are you watching? Please say you're still watching me. Like, all she really cares about is yeah. is, is just the, the, the camera lens focused on her. Yes. Vain, yes. vapid, just, yeah. Yep. So you don't really so, care about her, but. yeah.
3: And and O'Sullivan, their manager, is watching all this unfold and seeing his team get gaffled, and he's freaking out about it. And then we see the orphan guy, Smith, being dropped out of a plane, skydiving down into the town. He's he's taken it upon himself to uh, to rescue the O Force because he just doesn't feel right about the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, and that's how the issue ends. Yeah.
1: Let me take issue four. I'll give you a break. Yeah. Well, it starts with an awesome Frank Quitely cover
0: yeah just it does gorgeous. I'm just gorgeous inked by already, but yeah, yeah.
1: just a, an amazingly gorgeous gorgeous cover even dead girl looks really really good um mm-hmm. you know i mean she's basically dead and and the one thing about Allred is um yes he does have um a way with the female form but he's not reluctant to render real world body types uh for most of the series dead girl who is attractive she's she's very thin framed woman but alred draws her with let's just say gravity is starting to take its toll on her
0: none of the women wear bras in in this series
1: right but where venus de milo's perky and yes but dead yeah, girl yeah, yeah. she's she's got the uh spider-man 2 fun bags going on and Hilarious. you know, it's it's not a good look in some spots, but that's all right. It he draws body types the way they are in in the real world. And I love that about him. He's mm-hmm. not Adam Hughes. Uh so throughout the series, uh the orphan had this uh let's call it a premonition that the about this Arnie kid. He's like, That's the I, I Edie was there's something about this kid and Edie. I hear him. I see him in my head and it's just, it's not going to go down good. We got to get these the O force out of there. It's, they're, they're going into trouble. I think this is a big, big mistake. And it, his fears, you know, bear fruit because O force gets the shit kicked out of them. So, uh, as Jason said, uh, the orphan drops in and he's basically trying to control the situation on his own. Um, Arnie manipulates him into thinking Edie is alive. Uh, and he's like, Gotcha, you sucker. She's she, this is all your past coming back to, to bite you on the ass. And the rest of the team, throughout this issue, they see what's going on and they n- realize that maybe they should go help their teammate. Uh, in this very dire situation, so Dead Girl and um, Tyke are the first ones to come, and of course Venus says, "Screw it, I don't care if Solomon owns me. I got to help my friends." Um, Fats there, vivisector's there, and they 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 start to uh, control the situation. Let's just say uh, to a point where at least Arnie and um, Orphan can can talk it out, you know. Um, and Arnie kind of reluctantly agrees that, you know, maybe I got issues and he, effectively, um, they, 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 is this where they pull him in to the team? Was that the, the condition where Arnie would stop all of this, this bloodshed and, and they pull him into the team? He, he remends, um, uh, the green-haired girls legs ocean, ocean. ocean. Yeah, yeah re 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 works her body where she's a whole now and, and you know it, it's working out but uh spike has reservations like this kid's bad we we gotta we gotta do something so to the public they they project the news that uh arnie was killed in the battle which is not the truth they uh, brought him into the team so the devil you know keep your your enemies close you know so you can monitor them because the kid's too freaking powerful he could do basically anything and he's he's mentally imbalanced he's not right in the head so what they do is they pull him in they make him a member of the team um and that's that's the issue
3: yeah well and when you say they i mean really like you said it's the orphan that does it. the orphan does it. yeah they're all kind they're all looking at like what the fuck when he so, introduces him, he says, "Here's here's our new teammate, Arnie." Yep.
1: But it's it's all a ploy. Orphan is being um, benevolent on the surface, but it's anything but. He's bringing him into the team for a reason. Yeah. And as you will see in issue number five, uh, Orphan's not taking too kindly to the infighting that goes on in the group. The 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 petty squabbles and the bitching and. And they're just like, well yes, this is how we do. This is you know, we're we're buddies. But it but it seems like you hate each other. So that that glamorized idea of ecstatics slash X Force that Arnie had, the reality of the situation is anything but. And he doesn't take to it too kindly. So Orphan's like, you know, guys, come on, let's just let's just put on airs and, and you know, play the game for this kid because He's a hair trigger. we we, we got to we gotta deal with this. Um, and they do. But I don't remember who this Lacuna woman is.
3: Yeah, so, well, first of all, uh, you didn't mention that issue number five is drawn by Paul Pope.
1: Should, yes,
3: yeah. That's big Dylan's. That's very big, very big Bi- Dylan's. I wish it was um, in black and white, but whatever. So, Lacuna is... Lacuna was a character from X-Force. She was desperate to be one of the new teammates right at the beginning of the series when uh, when when the uh, first salve, salvo of, of members is killed, and um, her backstory is uh, she is um, she basically can operate within the moments of time, so effectively like she can she can do things like it's almost as if she can freeze time because. Right. You know, so that's kind of her. That's her power. But her backstory was she was uh, raised by these super wealthy, progressive parents who uh, who were cool with anything, and she wanted to join uh, X Force to piss them off. And when they end up being super accepting of uh, of of her aspiration to join the team she's frustrated because she wanted to piss them off. And so she doesn't join the team and she ends up taking a job basically as like a entertainment tonight type of a a hostess where she uses her powers to essentially spy on celebrities um, by like creeping on them. And so, and then she, she's been a thorn in their side throughout the series after that, because she occasionally will jump into their, their shit and unveil their stuff on her TV show um because they're famous and so that's that's her role did she look like
1: this when she was first introduced because i'm not i'm not drawing the connection
3: well yeah i mean pope draws her a little more like she's she's orange she's like orange skinned and she has the different paul Paul pope doesn't give her markings she had markings on her face
1: ah okay um because there's a there's a pink and an orange uh colors to her skin tone so i'm th- i maybe that's yeah, where the markings yeah. are coming in because i i don't i really couldn't draw the line to where this character came from yeah yeah so uh and again it uh, another instance where the, i think the creators are are commenting on the 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 public at large because the arnie was uh televised dupe was there during the battle televising the whole thing and so people got to see what Arnie looked like with the half of his face all messed up. And then you get a, a new member of the team, and he's got a mask where that covers half of his face. Like right. c- you can't put two and two together.
2: It, well,
1: are the are the, or can right? Well, is the public that gullible? And it just speaks. It speaks more than just this uh, little instance to me. It says like the creators are they're making a comment here, which is great, right? I, I appreciated that. So what else?
3: Yeah, and also too, there's a so in this in this issue there's a a near well villain. This and it's great for Paul. It's classic Paul Pope. This yeah, black-skinned, yellow-eyed uh, beast of a of a inmate. Um, and to your point, I mean, this is another satire of the of the of the comics reality because they describe him as retractable, razor-sharp bone claws and horns, titanium-enhanced exoskeleton, tectonic plates of macro-molecular concrete for flesh. Look at nitrogen for blood, I mean that's i mean basically that's it's a nineties it's a nineties villain right like it's it's yeah. just it's extreme um, I, I i like i would so adore owning a page from this issue like I like Paul Pope is so good it's ridiculous like right I, I, yeah it's just it's ridiculous i, I but you uh, gotta
1: give them points for at least. Given the nod to the indie community on this book, Allred Pope, no, sure. um, Cook, uh, well, Cook wasn't so indie, but he wasn't exactly mainstream at, at this point. But good God, the book is gorgeous, uh, all of them. But yeah, I would have to say, even though I love Allred's take on the team, the the Pope issue is probably my favorite of these five.
3: Yeah, yeah, and and the the the. Creature is having his way with the team until uh, Arnie basically blows his head up.
2: Yeah.
1: Saves the team. So, saves the team. Yep, saves the team. And the, uh, the whole setup with um, Arnie was that the orphan brought him into the team, and he cooked up a, a plot with Lacuna to do her, her time-stopping thing, and, and Arnie had a pre-existing condition. He had heart problems. Mm-hmm. So, during the battle, Arnie's not feeling so good. And you fa- you find out why, because Lacuna stopped time and injected him with something that would get his heart racing, and Arnie just expired. So, the orphan basically ushered this kid into the team to effectively kill him. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Sensitive. And, and guess yeah. Lacuna
3: to do it, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, she obviously so. has the something for him. I think. I think. Yeah, that, that,
3: I mean, I think she also feels like she owes him yeah. or she dirty deeds him in the. So, like in uh, the yeah. in, in the X Force yeah. run, um, at, the orphan has this ritual where he plays Russian roulette every night. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and and Lacuna, um, blows that up. She 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 uses her power to sneak in and and capture that happening. And then breaks it on her show and puts him on blast as being a, a freak, and so I feel like he, uh, you know, she owed him for that. Yeah. Well, they're all they're all broken. Uh, definitely, yeah. well, sure. I mean, it's this whole commentary on on being be, being outwardly rich and famous and successful and loved but inwardly being totally fucked up and completely unsatisfied with your
1: life which probably speaks volumes to the reality of our current situation yeah right I mean people are people whether you have a a billion dollars or you know you're scraping for your next meal yeah so uh, I
3: and it's it's hard to believe that that like I do think these five issues just do a disservice to the whole series like not not they don't do the service. meaning it's a Bad five issues, but it—it's just—it's a part of a of a larger tapestry of a story, and there is just a lot of cut scenes, a lot of exposition, a lot of sitting around talking about feelings, people in their feelings, not a lot of action, and I do think that it it probably it's it's not putting this concept in this run in, in its best foot
1: forward. I I agree, but at least it looks real good.
3: No, it absolutely does.
1: Yeah, but. if you're going to be one note, at least look fabulous while you're doing it. Sure. Yeah. And again, uh, I I think it was a, it was very much worthwhile for me to revisit this, if only just to look again at, at all this great art. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there was enough of the story. I mean, if the story was that. Downtrodden and and I wouldn't have finished it. <laughs> I, I would have just let you you know just do what you do because this is obviously in your wheelhouse, right? Um, you love to take note of social trends and and all that stuff. And whereas that's anathema to me, I just uh, I I I, yeah. I really don't care. But mm-hmm. um, goddamn, if this isn't just a wonderful visual treat, the whole thing.
3: I would just highly recommend to anybody that that did at least to some level, enjoy this, maybe it was more the art than the story, to go back and revisit X-Force 116 through 129. Uh, If you have Marvel Unlimited, it's all there, every issue, Um, as is all of X-Statics, by the way, so you can read it that way. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you can get your hands on this, I I would, because I think that is a stronger effort. I think those 12 issues are, or 13 issues are great and do a lot of what's here but they do it in a more fulfilling complete narrative. Right. Yeah. I think there's a lot of repetition uh beyond that. Now, I will say in terms of social commentary, I alluded to this earlier. Um on some levels, Milligan is 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 pretty forward thinking here. Uh there's a he deals with with race relations he deals uh, with with black on black relations, where um, another character is um, joins the squad and is effectively implies that Tyke is uh, an Uncle Tom, not black enough, quote unquote. And they get pretty right into that. Like I said, we find out that Tyke was raised by white parents and never saw himself as black in particular,ly and. Um, but that he comes to terms with the fact that, that that's a ridiculous distinction. Like he is black. And, uh, and then of course I think they vary her head on, um, with, uh, the idea of, of gay relationships, which is awesome. And we take it for granted now, because there are a lot of LGBT, uh, representation in mainstream comics now, like quite a bit. And there's a lot of LGBT creators, which is awesome. But this was 2001. That wasn't the case. Yeah, it was a, it was a it was a it was still much more taboo, and they do not treat it as taboo in this book at all. Um, it in fact it it just is what it is. So I think they they do really like interesting great work on those two fronts, but in terms of the way they handle women, it's pretty bad. Like I mean, juxtaposed against the way they handle racial and uh, and and uh, sexuality issues, like they treat every every woman as as beautiful and broken and basically all she needs is a good dick to fix her up fix her up. Like that's, that's <laughs> effectively like with you go girl, she's totally fucked up. And then until she starts catching a dick and then she's supposed to be all better. And same thing with dead girl, like she's not fitting in until she starts banging Tyke. And you know, Tyke is like supposed to be this woke dude who's like really interesting, but then you cut away and he's, you know, getting, having a threesome and getting, you know, double blow job in a, in a, in a bathtub. Like it's just, and that's titillating and, and Lords know I don't mind a good titillation in my comics, but, but like, it is a weird thing in the sense that I think like, like one could argue that the, that Milligan was trying to be politically woke on certain issues, but he kind of shows his true colors in the areas that he doesn't think a lot about, and so I, I don't know that. Like I'm left kind of thinking he tried to be politically correct versus just wrote a book where the characters were a certain way, and it was just like a natural extension. Like yeah. he didn't he yeah I I don't know if I'm articulating that right, but it's just it like it kind of seems. I think it comes away as feeling like he was trying to make these characters accepting but uh, but at the end of the day he didn't care enough to think about the fact that he made every woman look like a a, a to- like a, a like a total
1: stereotype so right there are a lot of bombshells uh, as far as the women go and there. they're all emotionally broken and vulnerable, yeah yeah and they all get e- boyfriends edie and wasn't they get boyfriends,
3: our life gets better
1: right edie wasn't a uh, a bombshell but she was attractive but yeah. i think it's more egregious in this iteration of the story where you have uh venus and uh, Ocean and and Dead Girl and they're all very very attractive and they make yeah. they 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 use their their female form to great advantage. But one of the things I th- I thought about Venus uh, as far as you on the commentary of race was Venus was black.
3: Yeah, she's black, mm-hmm.
1: and her post uh, mutant uh, eruption form does not bear the genetic hallmarks of um her her uh her history right she doesn't look she looks like she's red like why is she red she could be anything you know if her containment suit could could effectively be that of a young black woman but she's red and she doesn't like you know what i'm trying to say like she she seems to have shunned where what she was and where she Mm -hmm. came from that mm-hmm. it's not played up but it's it's there you know uh i yeah, just i do think yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on here most, most of it just is a, a a nagging reminder of just how um oppressive our culture has become as far as the merchandising and the promotion and the the, the, the reality and the, the social media, which I would have loved to have seen if social media was a was a huge deal when this was written, which it wasn't. Can you imagine how even more um it would have been if there were things like Facebook and and Twitter and all that stuff, they would have stopped in oh, the yeah. middle of the battle to just tweet their 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 thoughts, you know. Like that would oh, have, definitely, yeah, yeah, that would have been built into this book. But again, it, it's it's it is what it is, and and you got to take it as a as a product of its time. I I I, I didn't dislike the experience. It it was just a a uh, uh, a very very vivid reminder of just what's outside our door now. It's become commonplace, mm-hmm. but to Jason's point, at the time this was written, it was not commonplace. So uh, Milligan is a bit of a prophet in that respect. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, back in the in the, I mean, X Force One Sixteen. There's there's like five pages of people being disemboweled, which is why they had to drop the CCA label. But yeah, um, you know, so it it gets raw. But yeah, I and I and I will say I think as the series goes on, it, it just gets progressively weaker. Yeah. Um. I I it, you I think you mentioned casually you said one note it is one note I think that it um they had some interesting things to say at first and then I don't know if it was you never know how these things work was it editorial or just that it wasn't selling well or that I, I have no idea why but it seems like they just lost their momentum. Yeah. And kind of limped to the end. I thought it went on too long. Definitely, definitely, yeah. yeah. I thought, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the Ecstatics versus Avengers is by far the worst. It's, it's boring. It's, it's not, not even remotely entertaining. But I, but you can see that they were trying to give it one less, one less uh, paddle to the chest to try and get the heart pumping again by bringing in the Avengers.
1: Yeah, I, I, one of the. Things that I think soured me um, is when fiction becomes reality. It's not so enticing anymore. It's not so mm-hmm. um, alluring, and I, I think that's what happened with with the whole ecstatics world. Is it became too real? Yeah. Yep.
0: What are you thinking, Dap? I'm I'm thinking that I, I'm 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 glad I read it. I would. Um, eventually like to read it from the beginning Uh, at at least where X-Force Ends and and Ecstatics begins I I would like to get a sense of what what came before and how they got from there to here Uh, the Pope issue is the probably the strongest one visually for me I did I mean no no slight to Alred at all i I thought those those issues told a great story and they moved the action and and, and is great out of that and and love his expressions and there's no no doubt about what's going on there one thing that and I get it it's the character's appearance, but I couldn't shake the feeling that orphan. Was constantly sweating, and I know it, 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 his face is pockmarked or marred or whatever. But but those, it just it reminded me of 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 him sweating. And I, I just it, that didn't take me out of anything. But I was just the way it was just drawn. I was like, why is he always sweating? And obviously that 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 is. I I think I, I like Pope's version of of the character, um, the most probably because of that. But no, I I didn't. I, I don't think Jason needs to worry about this being next wave redux. I, 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 I enjoyed this. Um, I didn't, I did not know what to expect going in. So I was, I was very, um, I was open and, and willing to take whatever was going to be, before me, I, I had no. There was no preconceived notions. I, I, I wasn't going in thinking, you know, th- th- this ain't this ain't for me. I had no idea what's going on. I'd be completely lost. But I was lost with every comic I pick up for the first time. So that's that. That's nothing new. But um, yeah, it's it's weird. It, it's um, it kind of what what we were speaking about it at, at the start. It doesn't. Uh, it's not necessarily um, groundbreaking or, or today, and uh, it's it's definitely of its time. But yeah, the the, the characters are who, who they are, and and I don't th- and and that's well, as I say, you know, they're not they're not. Um, what you see is what you get. Cause obviously that that's not true because they're all fighting some in, internal battle and, and uh, nobody is, is upfront and, and transparent, but yeah, no, I, I think it was a, um, I, judging these five issues. So I can't say, um, cause obviously I came in to it once the story started, but no, I, I think, um, I think it was a, a, um, it was a solid offering for for Book of the Month and and for me to sit down and at least get somewhat familiar with, with, with the concept and and um how the characters presented and, and the kind of world these particular mutants are living in. I, I can't um I can't be smircher for that.
1: Right on. I don't think it was a book that was originally intended to be enjoyed. Uh, I don't think enjoy is the right word uh, to describe the experience of reading this type of story. Because when your characters are all unlikable to var- various extents, the the enjoyment, and there's that, that word again, it, it just doesn't work with this. The uh, You can appreciate this story, you can glean insight from it, but I don't think there's component of this at least not for me that comes out of it thinking whoo what a ride that was a a a very enjoyable experience you know it's just it's it it works on a a different level the the, the intent i think uh behind the creators was not to create something that would please or placate or or satisfy a Mm -hmm. certain Mm -hmm. amount of the readership they were creating something to as like a a wet slap to say, look, this is where we're going. This is what's happening. Um, Society is taking a turn where the, the things that used to matter don't anymore. Um, And it's, it's not uh, to, to beat that old dead horse. It's not your, your father's mutants. You know, this is different and we're going to juggle topics and, and, and concepts that, may not have a place in a mainstream superhero book but we're going to do it anyway because it's art and it should challenge but i don't think the driving force was let's win over a bunch of converts and make something so entirely pleasing where they're just going to feel energized after reading it that's not what right. this, that's not what right. this book does yeah but a worthwhile experience nonetheless
3: Oh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I'm. glad, yes, I, I think that's all fair. Like I said, I, th- I think that this would be an entirely different experience if we could go back and say, all right, we're going to read X-Force 116 through 129.
1: Right, right, and and it would be an entirely different experience for me if there were someone of lesser skill behind the visuals. If, oh, if, without if, a doubt, I mean,
3: yeah. I, I, absolutely, I mean, I think that even if you think the story is complete bupkis, I think visually it's a f- such a beautiful book it's right. worth checking out and I you to your I mean we were talking about Guardians of the Galaxy number 1 last episode and we were somewhat dismissive of it because it just felt like an average house book and I was thinking to your point I mean if this was just whoever was you know pick your pick your uh Marvel studio guy from that from the early aughts uh, you know if it was just a house style guy, like a competent, a competent artist, but but someone that just looked very conventional, I think this would have been an absolute abject flop.
1: Yeah, it, it may have worked in um, I, an ironic way with with a, a guy doing the Marvel house style, uh, but I don't think it would have been perceived as such. It yeah. would have just looked like everything else. But kudos to the the creators knowing that they had to get. Um, someone on the visuals that was not speaking the language at Marvel because this book does not speak the language uh, of the current or then current, you know, uh, mutant books. So yeah, that you needed somebody like Allred. Uh Back then, I don't know who else could have really. I mean, I I could see pulling somebody from from an indie title should they want to do it, but. Alred always seemed very willing to play in the big pool, even though he came from you know very humble uh indie origins alred um more than I think anybody of of his uh his peers in that realm was very, very uh open to to going to do work for the big guys and kudos to him for that because I think uh, Alred fits in perfectly within the marvel universe it makes me feel he gives me that old timey feel while looking very very contemporary
2: Mm. i can see
3: that yeah and i think that uh figredo and giorgata's issues were pale in comparison to what they they do subsequently Right. Like once they find their own voices, whereas I think this is—I mean, this is as, this is as good. I mean, this is vintage Allred. I, I mean, I, I I can understand if this isn't your favorite book Allred ever drew, but I think visually, there's no la, there, this is as high a quality of storytelling as as his other stuff. Yeah, like this is Allred. Like this, like you could give this book someone say this, and you could say if you don't like this, you don't like Mike Allred. Whereas I think if you were to give someone the issues that Dragata and Fregredo drew, um, one—I mean, they did one issue. I, I, I don't think you could say with the same uh, conviction that it's representative of, of of the artists that they would become.
1: Yeah, I think you may be doing Fregredo a bit of a disservice because by the time he was working on Ecstatics, he was well established. He had a lot of Vertigo work under his belt and. Uh, comparing Dragata to Fregredo on x Yeah, no, that's fair. No, that that
3: Fregredo issue was pretty good. I'm looking at it now. I was just, yeah, no, all right, I'm just gonna, then let me just say, I'll just, I'm gonna retract the Fregredo part and just say that certainly that's true of Dragata though.
1: Right, right. I mean, pound for pound, Fregredo's early work still blows the hell out of Dragata's early work. Yeah,
3: no, that's fair, that's fair. Yeah.
1: But okay, there we go. We had the uh, book of the month, *Ecstatics* Volume One, *Good Omens*. Peter Milligan, Mike Allred, Paul Pope, uh, Darwin Cook. Uh, good stuff. I, I will admit, good, good, good stuff visually. <laughs> but it's not their fault that that they saw into the future. You can't hold that against them. You really can't. No.
3: No. Uh-oh. I get why it would put, put you off because I've said that there any any book that kind of takes like a Trumpian angle now, I just have no taste for. Right. Even if it's well executed because I'm just, we're living that life. So I just, it just doesn't
1: entertain me. Yeah. um, All paths lead to social media for me. And and I just find it so, uh, yes, it's a necessary evil, but I just find it so distasteful. And so the drudgery and, and having to, to, um, or thinking that your your every thought is worth sharing is, is way beyond me. I, I mean, how many thoughts trail through our minds that, you know, it's become commonplace to share them? 99% of them aren't worth sharing, people.
2: <laughs>
1: they're, they're really not. I mean, but so would you expect social media to be this profound uh, endeavor where where it's all... You know, Jack Handy, deep thoughts. Uh, you can't expect that. You're going to get, yo. This is what I just ate. Look at it. it's a picture of a cannoli. Like, uh, on the one hand, what am I expecting? On the other hand, I, I'm maybe expecting too much out of out of humanity. That's I, I just social media just boggles my mind. It's number one, that it exists, that people would would bother to post their most mundane brainwaves and it also surprises me that it's taken on uh as much as it has like why do we care uh but that probably speaks more about me than than it does about social media so i don't know yeah that's
3: a fascinating conversation probably best had another time because i do think that there are just like there are huge draws and drawbacks to that kind of interaction with people
1: right right um thank god for the people that that just post art and creative things and just say here this is what it is. I love those kind of posts. Um not here's a page from my new book go buy it. Just like look I made this. This is wonderful, I think. Uh, that's why I'm sharing it with you. That's the draw for social media for me. Um the other stuff like you know Whatever, just, just had a, uh, a run-in with the guy at Target. I, I really don't care. You, you can't make me. But um, in the spirit of caring, we uh, floated a little question uh, to our uh, wonderful Slack community. Uh, I was taking a shower, and I thought, I, got, I think I got this nailed down. I, th- I think that I have a list of uh, four of my favorite comics artists that I would immortalize in stone on Mount Rushmore. So I thought this would be kind of a cool topic to to ask our, our patrons via the Slack. Uh, what are your four comic book artists that have impacted you in such a way that you would immortalize them on Mount Rushmore. And we got some some very diverse, I gotta say, answers. Um, I'll read some of them before we go into ours. John O says Jack Kirby, Darwin Cook, Steve Rude, and Frank Miller. You can't argue with those choices, right? Uh, Frank Lanza, John Byrne, Mike Mignola, Stephen Hughes, and Arthur Adams.
0: Curious. I like Stephen Hughes. Uh, he, he 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 loves Stephen Hughes. I'm pretty sure that's one of his prized pieces in his collection. I, is is a Hughes?
2: Yeah, I mean a, Stephen
1: uh, Hughes, super super solid penciler, just yeah. uh, a great
0: talent. But and gone and and gone way too soon as well. And oh, who, of course. Who knows? Who yeah, knows yeah. What else we would have gotten from him? And and but yeah, it's 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 um it's interesting the way I approach mine. But 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 please continue with the list
1: yeah we'll do a couple because we got a an outpouring of res- responses and I'm, I'm not just gonna i, I think it would be very uh boring for the listeners to just hear a bunch of uh names rattled out there so we'll do some from the 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 slack patrons and then we'll get into ours uh flip a yes. flip a dippa uh as flippa ha- is wont to do took it um uh way too far <laughs> and actually uh uh, made analogous artists to the presidents that are on the Mount Rushmore. And he said his Washington would be Jack Kirby, his Jefferson, Steve Ditko. Lincoln is, of course, Frank Miller. And Roosevelt is Darwin Cook. Again, uh, you really can't argue with any of these. Uh, well, Ian says Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, Mobius and Bill Sienkiewicz. Brian Clark got Mobius, Mignola otomo Mm-mm. and kirby uh who else do we have here da, 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 da. let's see caleb.
0: yeah caleb he gives us uh kirby and eisner and lee falk and wally wood interesting i would
1: assume that caleb's list is the only one with lee falk not saying I he's agree. not not saying no. he's wrong but it's just it's a very interesting choice yeah which i'm sure people are going to say that about our lists too right davin yeah. took a bunch of stabs at it and uh, <laughs> uh I, I what was it three at least uh the I'm last sorry. one no more right
0: three i see two and oh no here we go Personal. okay if it's my personal preference go that go with that one
1: yes he lists kirby Somne, cook
0: and mignola mignola the, the, the people love mignola they do yeah and rightfully so but yeah i mean there's there's nothing wrong with that um i mean spoilers i, I will say mignola is not
1: on mine yeah, neither uh, love them, but uh, oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah in in and comparison is- with the guys I picked, it's like <laughs>
0: no, you and, know. And 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 thank you for for actually, you know, saying Mount Rushmore, and, and and there are only four spots, so so this isn't a case of honorable mentions, and 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 no. just goes to show you, no matter how much we love other creators, just because they didn't get one of these four spots doesn't mean we no longer like them. There's just, there's, there's, there's only room for four. And yeah. I've got 13, so.
1: No, no. <laughs> well, see, I'll, I'll, all right, true confessions. The only reason why I said, Mount Rushmore, you can only pick four is because for once in my life, I have nailed it down to the perfect list. It will. Ne- you can ask me this question 10 years from now. This list will not change see. No, based on the impact these guys have had on me, that's why I put a lot of careful consideration into this. These are the four guys that have for better or worse influenced everything that came after I, I, I've experienced their work. It's it will not change. Well,
3: the anarchist is super prepared, the Analyst is not prepared at all. I, 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 I'm a, I'm a completely on the other side of this from you. Like I, I think that if you were to ask me next week to have the same conversation, I might have a different four.
1: Interesting. I I, I think it's so.
3: I I find it impossibly hard. Like I I don't. I think when we get down to four, that's why I wanted the distinction. If if we were if we were having the discussion and we've had this kind of discussion before. Of who I think should be on the Mount Rushmore, meaning the four most important American comic book artists of all time. That I have a pretty definitive. You want? Yeah, them. that's not the point. Much. Right. Yeah, but in terms of just like the four comic artists that are my personal favorites, yeah. It's. I mean, there are two that would probably not change. There, the other two spots are wide open. I, I generally think it could. It could
0: change yeah, that's, every that's every day, depending on my mood. Pretty much, my my, my thinking too. There are there are hard too, um, and and then the others. It's it's like it, which is why well, when when Vince paused it, towards it he he, I wanted to make sure I'm like, because this is this is why I said it's this is it, it going forward. This could be kind of fluid. It it's it's you know if we talk if if we bring this up, you know once a year or so. Um, because I, I'm not going to say, if you want me to say favorite today, yeah, I'm going to have my favorites, but who's to say that, um, in another three years, either someone new is going to come on the scene or someone who's already established who, who could have been on my list does some outstanding stellar work of their career. So well, it's- yeah,
1: which is true. But if you're, if you're a fan of the Beatles, in right. which, in which this case, the four on my list are the equivalent of the Beatles, right? Okay. The the uh a young upstart as good as they are can have a great twenty year career. Do they really eclipse the Beatles? I don't think so. That's why this is. I I, I I've been thinking about this for a long time.
0: The the well, thanks wa- for springing it on us three hours ago, but okay.
1: what I know seriously. Um <laughs> I mean, well, listen.
3: I mean, we'll just jump right into it. I mean, we haven't even list yet, but. I mean, I presume Kirby's on your list, and I again, like, I can't in any way make the case that Kirby shouldn't be number one in terms of most important, influential, and I love Kirby, but he's not on my list. Well, that's, like, the, Kirby's not, yeah,
1: that's the whole point of this.
3: Yeah. But, I mean, but, like, I, I would be stunned if Kirby wasn't on your list, and how could anyone... St- you know what I mean? So Yeah, Kirby, of anyway, course, I is on two my list. Of mine are gonna be, I think two of mine people will be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, and then two of them people are going to be like, What?
1: Well, have at it then. Let's hear it.
3: I mean, you want us to? Should we go around and? No, I think you should. Or? You
1: well, you 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 raise the curtain. I think you should put on the show. Tell them what your list is. Oh, you want all you? So you want us to each give our four before?
3: Like you don't want to? Okay, that's fine. Um, okay, well, I'll go. I guess in order of um, of uh, cont- like. They're the uh, start, I guess, in terms of chronology. Um, number one, John Busema. Not surprising. Yes, I have mentioned many times he is my favorite uh, artist of that era. Uh, when I think of Marvel, classic Marvel, I think of him. Um, I'm sure for most people this would be Kirby, and, and again, I can't say you're wrong there, but just in terms of who was seminal for me and who whose art resonated with me at a very early stage of of my fandom and who who I covet and would love to own pieces from, Uh, Buscema's got to be on the list. Uh, Number two, uh, probably someone that's on at least Dap's list, if I'd be surprised if it isn't. Uh, Maybe Vince's too, I'm not sure, but uh, I'm sure on many, many of our patrons' lists as well, um, John Byrne. Um, There's definitely nostalgia there. I, I think... I, I see more flaws in Burn as a cartoonist now than I did when he was at his peak, but that doesn't change the fact that I love his line and he drew so many of the seminal moments of my fandom that uh, I still adore him and will always hold him in the highest regard. Uh, so those are the two I think probably aren't that surprising and likely wouldn't change very much. Cause as you, you know, said, I mean, their careers are. Have- at least the bulk of in of, of passed away and in Burns case, I mean, the reason he's on my list has come and gone, uh, even though he's still making comics. Um the the other two are contemporary artists, and uh I I kind of thought about this and I went back to who who is who has been either on my or or ha, who has won my Eleven of Classical art awards and or who has Uh, Been in the short list in any given year, and so that led me to uh, two gentlemen who are contemporary artists: uh, Mateo Scalera and David Rubin. Interesting. So that's my that's, and I'm really just trying to take it from who. If you tell me that I'm stuck on an island and I only get to read comics drawn by these four people for the rest of my life. Who are the four people, and those are the four people right now.
2: There
1: you go. That's the spirit of the question, right?
3: There you go. So, and and I will emphasize for one more time: this is I'm. I don't don't. Nobody come at me. I'm not. I'm not trying to have a debate about. Again, I fully acknowledge that Ravine and Scalera are very personal picks. And two years from now, if we have this conversation again, it's quite quite possible that neither will be in my top four. I, I just, but in the moment, if if again, if I could only have four.
1: They would be the four I'd want. Nice, nice. Neil picked Mike Mignola, all day every day. John Byrne, (laughs) Art Adams, and of course Kirby. Tim B went with uh, Richard Case, which is which is great. Um, Where is the rest of Tim B's?
0: Uh, Slightly above it. Oh yes,
1: Tim B went with Mobius, Kirby, Sean Phillips, my dude. And uh, Richard Case, of course, as I said. Um, Rod went with Toth, Wrightson, nice. Sinkevich, and Matt Kint. One of these things is not like the other, but that's okay.
2: <laughs> hey, now. I'm just don't kidding. talk
3: about Sienkiewicz that way. No.
1: Uh, uh, I was saying,
3: about Rod that way. But
1: Let's see. Um, Chris Stetz went with Carlos Esqueda. Yes. Brian Boland. Sean Phillips and Simon Bisley.
0: Woohoo. hoo! That's that's hot.
1: Caleb uh, said, uh, w- "Am I reading Caleb's again? Because uh, I don't remember George Fuggin Perez." But okay, <laughs> yeah, Uh yeah. Darwin yeah. Cook, Kirby, Wrightson, and Perez. Uh, it's a long list, people. So uh, bear with me here. Uh, Chavez, our buddy Chris Chavez, said John Byrne, George Perez. Alan Davis, and Walt Simonson. Who could argue with any of those? No, a great a great list. Yeah, yeah. Uh, T. Thomas, Kirby, Miller, Wagner, Don Rosa. My heart's thumping, my dude. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It is a perfect example with Chavez's list. I mean, if you had asked me this five years ago,
3: Alan Davis would have probably been on the list.
1: Right. Yeah, and and, and deserves to be on a list, right? Yeah. Just, just great. It's
3: just that it's been a long time since he did... Like, he continues to make comics, and more often than not, I am disappointed in them. Not his visuals, but I just feel like he makes a lot of comics I don't care about, other than the fact that he drew them. And that has somewhat... Like, it's been a minute since (laughs) Excalibur. Like, it's been a minute. Yeah, yeah. And he's made a lot of comics since
2: then.
1: Yeah, still beautiful work, but...
3: No, 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 exactly.
2: Yeah, they don't have the soul of that stuff. Exactly, Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. You want me to give you my list? Uh, And it is... um, I'm telling you... I mean, I bet Dap and I could
3: guess your list, but okay.
1: Well, (laughs) maybe not. But yes, I'm sure you can. Um, uh, want Josh
3: Bears on it, then i got to caution out
1: against him. No, as much as as I love Josh, he, he didn't make the list. As much as I love Matthew Allison, did not make the list. I went with the guys that woke me... To the magic of comics, the guys well, that you're a
3: very, very old man. So, in, in many ways, your your inspirations also could be an all
1: time importance, at Mount Rushmore, because you're old. It could be construed as that, but maybe one or two of them could be construed as that. But um, no this this list is me. When you hear it, you'll be like, "Fuck, that's the list. it's mm-hmm. it's, it's perfect. It's like a little diamond." This these are the four guys that made me fall in love with comics. Speak on it. Number 1. No surprise, Jack Kirby. Of course. These aren't ranked except for that one. Kirby will always be the big kahuna. He is the 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 one guy that injected that lifelong love of comics into my veins. Jack's the man. Will always be. Jack is the Beatles of comics. There will never ever be in my estimation to these eyes a, a visual stylist on the level of Jack Kirby.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Never. So, that's taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirby was at the top. The rest of the three, you can shuffle them in any order because they made the list. Doesn't matter to me. Richard Corbin. Next. Obviously. Gary Panter.
0: Obviously. I knew it.
1: And the number four, which may surprise you, but it's absolutely perfect. Mike Pluge.
3: That's the one I wouldn't have gotten.
1: I cannot overstate the importance. I would have, I
3: would have thought Frank Miller would be the fourth. I would one. have thought
0: Wrightson before Miller.
3: Or Wrightson, no. yeah. Wrightson was, was on my list too as a fifth, yeah.
1: No, Pluge is more important to me than both Wrightson and Frank Miller.
0: I
3: believe that. I believe that. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm, yeah, it makes sense not that you say it. I just wouldn't have thought of it in the moment.
1: Yeah. Um, had he only done Terror on the Planet of the Apes he would be a, a much beloved creator for me, but you had Man Thing, Ghost Rider, Um the Frankenstein Monster, like everything sure. Plug Plo- ever touched. Um uh, yes, trained by Eisner, but in my mind the the horror element that Plug embraced raises him higher than Eisner in my mind. Yeah, that's a ridiculous statement, right? But again, yeah. this is this is personal preference. Yeah. But but for my money, um, terror on the planet of the apes. It was my reason for being when it was coming out. I would race to the newsstand to get the new issue of Planet of the Apes to, to read that. Um, it, th- I I find incredible solace in Mike Plug's work. It it makes me feel ten again, and it just I, I marvel at the 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 uh, expertise behind it. So yeah, Mike Plug. That's my, this list will never, ever
0: change. I love it. I'll well, uh, have to I, I, post it on the site after uh, Jason does the uh, the decade list.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, from Brian Clark, we have uh, John Byrne, Jim Lee, George Perez, and Todd McFarlane. First appearance of Mr. McFarlane no stands on
0: this. No Kai, huh? I guess that not. Are, it must have hurt for him <laughs> to, to, uh...
3: Seriously, I mean the Maybe. dude is the living embodiment of a Sakai Pan.
0: Seriously.
1: Huh? Well wow. you know, Christopher Burton says uh Will Eisner, Wallace Wood, very uh specific in his use of the word yes, Wallace. Yes, he is. um <laughs> Alex Toth and P. Craig Russell. Yeah. I can't I can't front on any of those. No, I mean they're all that's the thing about this. I mean I
3: yeah. I mean I just think they're I mean, the whole reason we love comics is because the art. And it's like, I, I mean, there are hundreds of artists I think are just impeccable. Right.
0: I mean... We should find out from Brian if he means uh, Jim or Jay Lee.
1: <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I think it's Jim. I love Jay Lee, but yeah, I think Me it's...
3: Me too. <laughs> I, I prefer, is it wrong to say I prefer Jay Lee to Jim?
1: <laughs> well, you know, hey, your mileage... Again, <laughs> that's the whole point of this exercise. Your mileage may vary. Um, Darren... Says Kirby Simonson, Albert Underzo of Asterix fame, which is a good, that's a solid choice, right? And John Byrne, yeah, uh, Tony Esmond, woohoo! Ooh, nice. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, Jack Kirby, Dave Sim, Jim Starlin, and Enrico Marini. Nice. That's I a rather eclectic, rather eclectic list. He's, that's because he's at an Angoulême right now. He's all caught up in that.
3: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I was waiting to hear all these friends. Oh, here's the oh, book. We, we, don't we owe him a shout-out?
1: We do. We were going to get to that, yeah. Oh. I yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Tony Esmond, our big buddy, um, is uh, firmly entrenched in the No Brow Camp, and he is currently at Angoulême. So, yes. Envy. Oh, I
3: meant, I meant a formal shout-out. And shout he is a patron. patron.
0: Oh, yeah. I knew that. I knew that. Yeah. You knew that.
1: Uh, Carlo GT says, uh, David Sutherland from Beano, Simon Bisley, John Hickleton, and Ron Smith. Obviously, that Br- list, so, that's, so far, that's the only list that I don't have a strong opinion on most of his car- his creators. Well, it's the British Sensibility, which is, is rock yeah. solid, right? All those guys are great.
3: Well, but I'm saying, like, every other person mentioned, I, I know their catalog, like intimately, but I I don't know that catalog very well. Ah,
1: nice. John Sullivan uh, reserves the right to answer this more than once. I don't <laughs> know, buddy, but uh, Jack Kirby, Jim Starlin, Jim Staranko, first appearance of uh, dapper Jim on the list, and John Byrne. See, it is interesting to me, like a Staranko, or I know people have Art Adams. That, that
3: again, it's personal preference. I can't see you wrong, and they're both amazing. But but like they just. Didn't
1: draw that many comics. No, see, you got to give it up to Starlin, though. He is. No, I didn't say Starlin. I said. I mean, Starlin, um, I mean, Starenko. You got to give it up to Jim because he is. He to your point, he has not created that many comics, but, but what what there. an influence this guy has. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You look at Starenko's shield work, and it's like, yeah, magic on paper, and it's.
3: I, I might. This might be the wrong time for a hot take, but I. I, I would. If we have a hot take episode at some point, I would make the case that Staranko is probably one of the most overrated creators of our lifetimes. Be- because of the fact that while I think what he did with Nick Fury was fucking awesome, he has been living off that one note for fucking decades. Including the fact that every time he ever draws for anybody, he draws that silhouette of Nick Fury. Like, it's the same drawing he's done a thousand times. But I love it. Like, I, what he did, I love. I'm just saying, like, man, I... Like to be so lucky to have a fifty-year career off of eight issues. <laughs> like I said, it's a hot take.
2: <laughs> it's a, it's. A,
1: I think it's a very hot take. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm I'm not signing the bottom of that document. I can't. <laughs> uh, Starenko shadow covers. I mean, he has voluminous work in arenas other than comics. Yeah. So yeah, to to say, dude has only. We're about comic art. Okay.
3: No, hey, again, he's an amazing artist. I, I'm, oh I, yeah, I got I got no issues with him, at, <laughs> like at, at his craft. But I, I I am fascinated by the cult of personality that goes into his his continuing appearances at comic cons and and us.
1: Well, he like, is overstating
3: his value, but he is a
1: magician, so he may have clouded your mind. <laughs> So is Lee Weeks, you know? Yes, yeah. yes, By the
3: way, not to not to derail this, but uh, the Felix Comic Art Podcast made its triumphant return this week. Yes. And uh, one of the segments was a chat that uh, Yams and Lambert and DWJ and uh, Andy Robbins and a few others had at San Diego Comic-Con, which was what, is it June or July? It's always the same. I don't know if it's June or July, but whatever month it is, uh, from 2019 – and um, they were talking about uh, some of their conquests, and you know, DWJ is pretty cheap. Like he self admittedly, like he doesn't, he gets nervous about spending a lot of money on art. I don't blame him. So he was at Lee Weeks' table, and he came across a piece uh, that was eight or nine hundred bucks, and he was like, "Oh, I love this piece. I just can't afford that." And Lee Week said, "Well, what can you afford?" And Daniel said, "I, well, I." I I'm embarrassed to say I, mean, I have a 250 dollars budget. So, and Lee Week sold it to him for 250 bucks. That's badass.
1: I was like, God
3: I damn, why I've never tried that. Yes,
0: damn.
1: Yeah, well, they know you now. They'd be like, get the fuck out of
3: here. <laughs> no, I'm
0: saying, but how awesome is that? It is. It's 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 uh, goodwill, it's a mutual respect kind of thing. Because, oh yeah, know, he he obviously knows. I mean, he's yeah. I
3: mean, Daniel did right. Daniel didn't mention whether. Lee was aware of his work or what have you right, but but yes, but I presume there was a little bit of that right? again,
1: you gotta tip the hat to Larson for for like using his his work to to trade for for the oh, work it's the best, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, um last, I think, but certainly not least, Mr. Jeff Carter says uh, Jack Kirby, will Eisner, Jack Davis, and Basil Wolverton,
3: yeah, I mean, I. Super A humongous gig. love for, the, for those other for Davis and Wolverton.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. So uh, let's top it off with Mister Dapp's list.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
0: uh, I am going to go in uh, order from uh, number four to number one. Um, this uh, not number four um, is all anchors, right? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Um, Danny Mickey. <laughs> and Scott Williams and Al Milgram. So you have uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez because I cannot look away from his work. And, and he he drew some things in the 80s from DC that I still consider to be the version of like, – I. His version of Dead Man. That's I yeah. Love you, Neil Adams. Mm. Love you McParrow, obviously, but it's it's his version that I see. I I I the the first couple of issues of DC Comics present I just I I am in love with the man's line and and if 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 I had to stay on a desert island with only a handful of books Ones he's drawn would, would be ones I would I would love to keep looking at. Um second best Superman ever. Garcia Lopez. I, I really don't think I can disagree with that. Who's your first? Ross Andrew. And that's where we part ways. Yeah. So
2: <laughs> the
0: uh, <laughs> David Mazzelli. Hmm, is really? on my mount rushmore because wow. again, someone who does not have a massive body of work, but with him, if I know he dude, like Asterius Polyp isn't something I probably would have bought without this show, and because he it's his book. So he he got me to buy that and read that. And and so he is somebody who if he is putting pen to paper i want to see it he is someone who will sight unseen i don't care what the subject matter is if he's going to put out something i'm going to get it and and there aren't there are not it it, i can't say that about many artists at all and 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 as much as you know i i i love chris i haven't bought everything chris has done you know you can say the same thing about a handful of artists so um yeah, but Mazakelli, if if his name is on something, I'm I'm there. Um and 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 the top two aren't gonna surprise anyone really. Um Darwin Cook and Gil Kane. No Matt Wagner, huh? No Matt Wagner. And Holy and it was shit. it 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 just just like Brian with Stan Sakai, it it's it hurts, but at the same time. I have read everything Matt has done and, and it's, you know, he's been in the industry for decades, but it's still, it's to some degree, sometimes it, it feels a little sparse and, and I don't, I, as I, I love it. I love the line of the story he's telling, but it doesn't, it, for, for me, when I'm reading Matt's work, it's, it's the thought that goes into what the characters are saying and not always what they're doing. So it does visually, it doesn't always knock me on my ass, but, but what, but how the characters behave and their motivations that, that, that tends to be what draws me to them. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm loving devil's odyssey and I, you know, and, and I would, you know, I'll, I'll be cremated with the first 15 issues of mage, but there's, there's just, I, I love the man. And I love his work, but it it wasn't um that was the one where i just i i you know there's there's only room for four and um you know maybe he'll knock jose off and and eventually but but for now that these these are my four did Caleb answer twice I think he did he the first time he he gave he gave his little you know Kirby he's the god and and um... yeah because Perez isn't on his first list oh then yeah then you got to go by the first one then yeah I didn't see a second one. Well, oh, the, no his purely subjective one is uh, okay. so he's got the one where it's you know uh, but all right so the 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 second one the Darwin the Kirby the Wrightson and the Perez that's the one you can go with all right because that's the one that falls into this 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 view
1: yeah um. Thank you to our patrons uh on the slack for participating in this it was a It was a lot of fun and uh if I have overlooked your answers, i don't think i did but if i did, i'm sorry and let me know and i'll I'll do an update uh on a f- uh, next episode but uh this was cool right wasn't it fun
0: absolutely that oh, was absolutely fun and yeah. I love that i have i have a preliminary sketch of our f- second favorite superman artist by our second favorite superman artist of well, superman
1: well who's your first
0: uh it's it, it, it's generally more often than not burn
1: yeah i can i can agree with well not his first but i can i can understand that yeah he did a very handsome superman
0: and uh, it, he he brought uh he he made the shield practically as big as the character's chest. It, it's just, you know, he's, when, when burn like, I love Garcia Lopez's version. It, it, it's a little bit more slender than what burner or even what Ordway did, but they, they, they kind of went back to, to the Wayne Boring stuff. And, you know, the barrel chested and, and, and broad shoulder, dude. Um, yeah. Kurt
1: Swan. I can't get in the door. I, my, my chest is so freaking big.
0: <laughs> I do like, you know, I, I, I like Swan only because that was, in your face twice a month for years and, yeah um but yeah i i i mean there have been some fantastic superman artists but it's 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 john's is the one that, uh, that i tend to see when i close my eyes yeah
1: i don't know what it is about ross andrew man dude he does good work he you does love that dude yeah andrew esposito on friggin um yeah. superman woman and uh peter parker I think Andrew's Peter Parker is phenomenal, man. You do love it. You do love. Yep. But again, that was golden age Spider-Man for me. So take it with a grain of salt. All right, everybody. Hey, wow! Extended version. Uh, Thank you for being here. Thanks,
2: Trooper. Yeah.
1: Thank you for being here with us on this book of the month episode. We hope you will join us for our next episode. In the meantime, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Uh, We would love to have you. Uh, Lots going on. Lots more added every day. The slack is booming. We have a a beautiful community there that uh, uh, enriches and enhances the life of everybody that participates. Just check it out Um, in your travels I was going to save this as a, uh, well, I'll call it like a feature spotlight for next episode. But I don't think there's enough there to actually uh, expound upon it. It's it's it, That doesn't mean it's not good. It's just um, there's not much here in terms of story that we haven't already seen before. Uh, I think the joy in this much like ecstatics, is in the visuals. Um, it is the first issue, written by Simon Roy and Daniel Benson, with beautiful art by Artram Trakinoff. uh colors by Jason Wordy. It's published by Image. It's called Protector, number one. Um, it's a post-apocalyptic tale. Uh, looks like uh, the world has turned... Um, and the direction is down, um, there's a, a a region of uh, North America, the Great Lakes region, called uh, Chicago, and it's hyphenated, where there's a tribe, um, the Hudson tribe, and the leader's slave has gone missing. Rightly so. She's a slave. Who the hell wants to be a slave? So she runs away, and in trying to escape her captors, she falls uh, through this, this hole in the structure, uh, gets bloodied. And while she's tooling around underground, her blood lands on this um, thing. And her blood activates this thing. And it turns out it's her, her own uh, protector uh, bot, so to speak. Um, lots of gorgeous artwork by Trekanov. um You get meaty uh, back matter detailing the Hudsoni and the Yankee tribe, of which the Yankees, uh, the the girl, the slave girl, is a member of the Yankee tribe. So they flesh out this world uh, beautifully, but in the end, really not a novel tale. A young girl gets a, a cybernetic or robotic protector to... To fend off her attackers in this post apocalyptic world we've seen this a gazillion times but uh in the hands of this creative team, I expect good things there's a, a supernatural element where the uh the 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 gods of this time uh speak through human vessels so so that's cool I like that but uh again, nothing super novel but it's just a a cool uh beautifully uh realized at least visually a tale that i i enjoyed but don't expect you know a reworking of the wheel because you won't get it it's just great sci-fi storytelling albeit in the footsteps of a lot of other people is that a did i am i downplaying this i don't know it's i I thought it was fun but it was nothing new does everything have to be new your, Hell no. No, your mileage may vary. I, I love Trakanov's work, and uh, Simon Roy is great at what he does. I, I think it was, for my money, it was a great return on my investment. That's all that matters, right? That's all that matters, yeah. Yeah. That's So, uh, Protector number one.
0: Uh, in your travels, I did not um, get to read anything I picked up yesterday yet, so I'm going to once... I head downstairs. Um, so I'm going to say. Um, well. Strap in when we. Um, get ready to, to discuss. The recent. Criminal arc that wrapped up. Yesterday with issue 12. So make sure you catch up on criminal. Before we get into it. And hopefully. We won't go too far into it if it makes any of our categories in next week's 11 o'clockers if. <laughs> if if, if. hopefully we won't so we won't spoil anything for people who haven't read it yet but hey uh yeah no but seriously y'all should be checking on criminal criminal if you're not um but that is that is what i'm going to read once i get downstairs
3: nice well speaking of that uh most of you will be listening to this episode on Friday, January 31st, which means if you have not done so, but wanted to, today is your last day to submit to our 2019 Eleven O Ocloskers because I'm closing down the balloting, uh on Friday so that I can uh, take the results and collate them and get our handy dandy sheets together. So uh, as uh, Dap said, next week will be the unveiling finally of our favorite comics and creators of, 2019, we will have special guest star, Caleb, to join us. And uh should be pretty lit. Like, sure. Um In your travels, there was some discussion Vince brought up a week or two ago that we should dig up the uh, old Penthouse comics and read them. Which mm. I'm, I'm definitely a fan of that. And uh, then someone else brought up on our Slack some... Uh, well, I brought up the question, but then we had a discussion about... Uh, some of the sexier comics that we've ever read. And, uh, that got me in the mood to read a little little erotica. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, dug up some of the, uh, the Druna. Nice. Yes. So, uh, in your travels, if you're fortunate enough to, uh, procure them or you can actually buy them online if you're so inclined, uh, give some Druna some read. If you don't know what Druna is, uh, it is the creation of Paolo, Eluteri Terry Serpieri, uh, an Italian creator of some renown, and uh, he first published story of Druna, who is a incredibly buxom beauty, uh, set in a uh, science fiction, a post apocalyptic world with body horror, and uh, we first saw a hit in 1985 in a book called Morbus Gravis, which means severe disease. Um, he put out, uh, nine volumes of the story. Most of which, I don't know if they were all, but most of which were reprinted in heavy metal mm-hmm. in English. Heavily censored. Um, yes. A lot of, yeah, them. I was going to say, uh, that was say, I'm like, I'm like the heavy metal is okay, but, uh, it, it is not, you should, you should seek out the source material. And honestly, um, First of all, you can get them. You can get them at cons, and I, I got a few at, at cons years ago. Uh, they're in Italian, but honestly, the, you're not. You don't need to read them. Like it, do, it doesn't matter. if you're <laughs> Italian. You're not
0: buying it for the art. No, you're
3: not. I mean, these and, and honestly, even from a story perspective, the, the words are irrelevant. Um, this is. I mean, he is a master of the female form. It is Druna is incredibly beautiful, voluptuous, pretty much scantily clad and or nude. Throughout the adventure, she is a heroine, but in the loosest sense, I mean, it's. Listen, this is not a plot-driven series of stories. It is a. It is a. Uh, a, a it is a chance for Serpieri to show you that he can draw beautiful women, uh, doing action scenes and having sex with sometimes men, sometimes women, and sometimes creatures. <laughs> um, so it's 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 erotic fantasy sci-fi fantasy, and it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, uh, visually, it's amazing. So I read um, Morbus Gravis, uh, Druna, Creatura, and Carnivora, which are the first four volumes, uh, and uh, it's an absolute blast. It's, it's sexy time, not for kids. So if, if there's any kids listening or you're for some reason inexplicably listen to our show with your kids in the car, uh, this is not for them, but uh, it is for you. And by the way, Serpieri has officially earned the distinction. He is known in Italy as the master of the ass. <laughs> nice. Of course. That's, that's a and great. I think deservedly so. Oh, yeah, yeah. So here's a question for you. you, you uh, Desert Island, you get to only have one. Do you, you want Serpieri or you want uh, Manara? That's easy. Okay, well, speak on it then. Manara. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I think Serpier P- I prefer Serpieri's women. Uh I love Minara, but I think I mean I think Serpieri draws much more voluptuous women.
1: Well, are we talking about uh ability or stylization? Like the the way um he draws women as opposed to the manner in which he draws women. Because I think um Minara's line is far exceeds Serpieri's. Interesting, huh? I mean, I love them both, so I'm not again.
3: I'm not going to fight. That's, I'm not going to put up my Dukes here, but
1: but Minara draws the women that I would rather, um, yeah, look at that that big okay. ass. Big ass mm, does nothing for me. Interesting. <laughs> I <don't laughs> got, yeah. I, yeah. I don't got the reach, so. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and to be clear, I I think I applied it, but but it's it's this is sexual work. It's I mean, sure, sure, she actually sure. has sex. I mean, it's, there's, uh, there's 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 vagine and bodily fluids and yeah, you know, giant penises. I mean, it's like it is it is true sex erotica. It's not like yeah, worse. I, I guess Minara is too. Yeah, I mean, like Minara is more. It's more. There is nudity. There's there's not a no. There's no there's sex. No, I yeah. never mind. Yeah, click. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah click. Yeah, no, no, there is click now, it, If, it, if there was a race, assault, yeah.
1: a race a yep. race to the Mobius finish line, I, I would think that in for my money, Monara would finish um much earlier than, than Serpieri. I I, I, I would Wait, put I would put Monara in a class that approaches the level of Mobius. He has the same a lot of the same um uh, sensibilities when it comes to uh I think Manara's composition is far stronger than Serpieris I think Manara's line is is much more elegant than Serpieris Serpieris is is great but he he does a lot of hatching which I I mm-hmm. I like it a lot but Manara mm-hmm. lives and dies by the line Yeah
3: Yeah I mean to be clear if if I were going to pay one of them to draw a single figure pin-up with no backgrounds. I'd rather have Serpieri. If I were paying one as a publisher to create a comic book for me, I'd pick Minara every day.
1: Okay. That's... F- I, yeah. Yeah. I've read all the Druna stuff and I think the the overarching theme is transformation.
3: Yeah, and that's why I think it's perfect for inner travels because it isn't something like... Right. Druna is not something you do a deep dive on. No, no. It's, it is a beautiful it, voluptuous woman having sex and having science fiction adventure and it's visually appealing, but there's not a lot. To, no. It is not the deepest of works.
1: More often than not, it's it, the 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 central core of each story is is something going from one state to another state. Right. Whether it's a disease, or it's it's, it's some kind of transformation, yeah. where, you know, uh, like Jason said, body horror, physical transformation, mental transformation, and you got to admit druna is just a cum dumpster in all these stories (laughs) like like she's she she's her name is on the cover but for more often than not she's manipulated by everybody in the story they they either want her see her as a an object of of desire or they use her in ways to to get what they want like she's she's the 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 heroine of the book, but she's really not in the driver's seat. She's more. She's often, a vessel. Yeah, more often than not, she's passed around like a, you know. A, oh I, yeah, I, I don't want to say, but yeah. uh, she takes it. Yeah. And uh, who would have thought that crop tops would be so prevalent in the future? Right. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: no, Sir Pierre's, He's great. He's great, but. He can't. I, like I
3: want to go to angolem or 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 Luca or something like to see some of these creators that we'll never see in the U.S. Yeah, you're right. Well, they're still. I mean, is seventy-five. Uh, Minara's got to be close to that, right?
1: I would think, yeah. Um, it, it, so I was going to be mean, but I won't. I don't. Yeah, Minara's seventy-four. So no, no. But I'd point. love
3: to go. I'd love to go to it and see them and.
1: Well, we need to pick a little bit of Angoulême or a little bit of Tokyo. I don't know. It's I up. mean, why we got to pick? Why not both? Well, <laughs> you, you know, if, lobster if, or
3: crack if, crab? Why not both?
0: We have to do the same year. It's not like we're 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 the connecting
3: flight. Yeah, we're not saying we're, we're not booking the flight tomorrow, bro.
1: Well, we could do it in the same year if the, the patrons step up. Oh my uh, god. No <laughs> god! I'm kidding. What?
0: Could you be more?
1: I, I am oh everyone. dude everyone, everyone i am triple up, triple
2: I'm, up your patron no you it's not
1: doing. triple up get new ones i am not needy at all damn
3: it man seeing tony post all lot of stuff on golem i mean i would just super I, jealous i don't i don't know how much money i would spend i mean i would buy all the book every one of those books
1: it looks amazing to me yeah but it's not like you're in poughkeepsie you know what I mean? You can't just drive the things home. you got to ship this shit home. If you can afford
3: to go to Angolem, you can afford to get an extra suitcase and book, book in it. Yeah,
1: you're probably right. And it's probably going to happen to us in Tokyo, too. I'm going to have to buy oh, another Without bus. a doubt. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I I got a kick out of Andrew McClain's Instagram. I love Andrew McLean, and Andrew is so deep into the vinyl now. He's opening boxes on his Instagram showing you vinyl that he's got and everything. And you see in the background, he's got a shelf, and there's vinyl on it. And I'm like, yeah, that's all good and well, but you're Andrew McLean, You can afford the vinyl. Vinyl has become ridiculously expensive. Listen, I think Vince B. makes more money than
3: Andrew. Oh, I sincerely doubt that. No, I think so. I don't, like... I don't, I think you overestimate, like, how, I mean, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't get the sense dude is, take that. he ain't pulling the Scotty money, put it
1: that way. Oh, of course not. But I think his wife and he are doing a phenomenal job in perpetuating the McLean brand, let's just say. There's more going on to Andrew McLean than headlopper. Oh, 100%.
3: Yeah, 100%. and and I they you are know, a great couple too. I
1: mean. Yes, I, I I don't I I think he's doing well. Not Scotty well. Who does Scotty well, right? Um, it's a short but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I I think M- <laughs> McLean's doing all right for himself. But I'm just my my point being that, and it's totally sour grapes on my part, where um I was one at one time deeply invested in the vinyl hobby. Now it's become a thing, where um. It's not uncommon to find a piece going for a thousand dollars or more, and oh, that is just ridiculous. I know how much it costs to make these things, um, and I know the work involved. Yes, it's it's there's a lot of work, but in terms of painting something that has been effectively mass produced by a Japanese company, I guys are are, are eating well on this. So yeah, sour grapes, total sour grapes. But um, I guess one of the points is follow Andrew McLean on social media because Andrew's pretty cool. I love his stuff, and he's got a Kickstarter now for the um, the uh, Headlopper dice, gaming dice with uh, Agatha.
3: Like every one of you
1: backed. Yeah, because it's awesome. I got the T-shirt, I got the dice. I didn't get the miniatures. What am I going to do with those? They're miniatures. Um, I I, I'm in line for whatever vinyl he tends to produce uh, I still don't have a Norgle but I will get one at one point that's ridiculous you don't have a the only one he had the last time we were there was the blue one I don't want the blue one okay why would I want a blue Norgle you always have a reason not to buy vinyl That's true. I'm very freaking particular in my vinyl well, that is for sure I am I, I, uh, whatever. That's for sure. I am. All right, buddy. I mean, yeah, I mean. It's crazy. <laughs> well, the ones we saw at New York. <laughs> Whoa, it like, speech, wait, speech, wait, wait, speech wait, 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 just wait, wait, roll, wait, just dial it back for a second. I was super hot for one piece at New York. And how much was it? 20 $20? Dude, twenty five hundred dollars? There's no freaking way. Oh. I I would oh, pay. Oh,
3: I thought you meant the Godzilla that you bought. No,
1: the James Groman. Oh, I yeah, I yeah. wanted that piece, but there was no way I was paying twenty five hundred dollars for it. No, uh, that's correct. Yeah, I like what I like, but come on. But the wow. the ones that we saw were not all that. Mm-hmm. They just weren't. Um, and that Godzilla is not glad blind you wrote Kickstarter because
3: I did want to shout out our boy Tony Esmond. Yes, yes. as a Kickstarter that uh, just launched, Atomic Hercules number one. No shit, how did I miss yeah. this? I uh, just went up yeah, today. Yesterday, today, today, today. Yeah, uh, ri- um, written by Tony uh, with uh, art by Adam Falp. and uh, it looks uproarious. Totally up your alley. It's like it looks like it would fit right into that variant cover, though. Yeah, with uh, oh, the variant cover by um. Uh, yeah exactly with titties Uh, yes so if you go to Kickstarter you can search for Atomic Hercules number one or you can find a link to it uh, in In the Facebooks or uh, yeah we have it posted there but uh, the year 2184 earth is no more than a brown and gray desert of mutants robot armies and a single drunken demigod named Hercules Um, so go ahead and give that your support they launched today. They are uh, about 70% of their way to being fully pledged, so it looks very promising that the book will actually happen. They've already made the book, too. I know some people get bent out of shape, myself included, about backing Kickstarters and having never getting what you paid for. This book is already made, so it's, it's, it will, they're just raising funds to print it, so it, it exists. The book has been created. The files are there, so don't have to worry about that. If this thing gets funded, we will get the book. Um and uh, yeah, this is a weird like I hadn't really thought about Kickstarter in a while. Then you guys backed those dice. Then I backed this, and then I also backed um Jim Mafood's project.
0: Yeah, the the is it the pop-up funk? Yeah, it looks really cool. It's it uh it does look really cool. It's
3: it's some of his prior work, but it's a pop up book. Uh in a slipcase. It looks awesome. It so, does.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I I think Vince backed something last week uh, because yeah you 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 were telling the slackers that um you hadn't backed anything in a while was it or not it wasn't it It was was a game it was
1: the dark tower game um yes i canceled my pledge oh yes um only because the game will not be in my hands till february 2021
2: yeah i saw that that's too it's it's
0: risky it's it's too long
1: to wait too long uh yeah I don't like to cancel pledges, but, and I, and I didn't, it's, it's, that, that's on me because I didn't look to see when the, the actual date was. So I'm like, dark tower, shit, I want this. 150 bucks, money in the bank. Boom. I, I pledged and it was just, I, the only reason why is because I am probably only going to play this game with my daughter Mia. And in February, 2021, Mia will be in school. So right. yay! I got this game that I can't play till June of 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not happening. I, but again, totally on me.
0: I was um, I was looking at a game today that um, the unstable unicorns people were uh, um had made, and it's it looks like it's supposed to come out, I guess, in the fall or sooner. But um, I'm looking for at least. Two player games. So where my wife and I can play and then if we have friends over, um that's fine. So yeah, I that I, I have it set to remind me, but yeah, I mean, so aside from Dice and, and now Tony's book, um I just pledged
1: to Tony's book.
0: I think I, I think before that it was uh Govar's book that uh so yeah, so that's you know, I don't every once in a while I'll 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 see what's going on. On Kickstarter, but uh, yeah, for, for for the most part, it's otherwise. Yeah, you know, th- there were a couple of things I was looking at today. Like, I think Ron Randall is a hell of a person, and I'd love to read the Trekker stuff, but I'm pretty sure that's going to be in previews once it's all said and done.
1: Oh shit! Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but you that's know, one
1: reason I backed
3: them off Food Book is I doubt that'll be in previews
0: because it's a it's a cust- I mean, it's a
3: it's a custom published. Pop-up book, so I don't. Yeah. I don't think that's something they'll solicit in
1: mass quantities. So, I'm intrigued by that. I just backed the Atomic Hercules. Um, nice. It probably will be in previews, but you know what? I really don't care because what, Atomic Hercules. Yeah.
0: Maybe I, I mean know. I don't.
3: I mean they don't have a publisher. It's they're well, publishing themselves.
0: Even if it themselves. I mean, just w- like just like the book he gave us at uh, the confessional book. He gave yeah, us yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
1: it's not. It, but this is my 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 thinking. Even if it is or it isn't, I don't really care, because um, number one, I like what I'm seeing. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. So what the hell? Yes. Why not? I got the no, land... absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I want that landgraf cover. Yes. Titties.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm easy. Yeah, this looks good. Good job, Tony and company. I like this a lot. Thanks for pushing mm-hmm. pushing under my nose. All right, that's two Kickstarters right, in a week. What the hell's going on? Serious? serious. Make it three. Back to my food. Mm, no. Wow. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> what a dick. No. <laughs> oh my god. It ain't happening.
3: What? What's your issue with my food?
1: Nothing. I don't need a pop-up book.
3: Ah, wow, you hate Jim, my food?
1: <laughs> yeah, I
3: do. <laughs> that's, so that's me. God,
1: freaking hate him. Damn, that's crazy. <laughs>
0: the fight of the heroes now. My main
3: Food One is getting dissed over here. What am I going to do with
1: a pop up book?
0: Dude,
3: (laughs) you. Wait a minute. (laughs) Hold on a second. (laughs) Are you going to try and draw a distinction with a
1: pop up book? Seriously. Versus any of the other things that we own and collect? Yeah. A pop up book, you look at it once. Oh, isn't this neat? Look, it moves. Okay, great. You're surprised. Yeah. Woo! That's nice. Time out, time out. How many art books do you own? lots a lot how many a lot I didn't hear you I didn't hear you what was that uh, many yeah, exactly it's an art book dude that what pops up after yeah. the after the initial pop <laughs> it's, which it is it, it, no. the same thing
3: you it's, it's like, not
1: it's not bro it makes not the distinction makes no sense whatsoever I they're too del- I just don't want to pop a pop-up book no I don't want it Sorry. Sorry, Jim. There's nothing delicate about this. I lo- just food one, son. I love your work. I don't need a pop-up book.
3: Sorry. Wow, Jim, I apologize for Vince dissing you like this. This is it's embarrassing.
1: I <laughs> Seriously, I, lo- I don't got to explain myself. I like Jim's work. I, don't do need- I do very much. I don't need a pop-up book. I have to cancel his appearance now. Okay. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Thank you for being here with us one more time around. If you want more of the EOC experience that's not in your ears, go to Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, all of that stuff, and check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We would love to have you there. You know the drill. Step up to the podium, knock on the door. I don't know why there's a door next to the podium, but there is. Knock, knock, knock. Say night. Never again. YYZ. Never. You're never going to hear it again. David.
0: That, uh,
3: but in saying... Sean Turturro's making a sequel to The Big Lebowski.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: About Jesus.
0: Yeah. The bowler, yeah. Crazy, David. Mm,
1: much as I, yeah, I was a little off, much as I love bowling, You
0: guys are adorable.
1: Big Lebowski. I don't get it. Wait, what? Yeah, I don't get it. I don't. I don't see what the love is to that movie, dude. You are so spent. You are so spent. I'm not saying yes. I, I'm not saying I hate it. I don't understand where all the reverence comes. Are you no. not a fan of the Coen Brothers in general? Oh no, I like their stuff I like Big Lebowski, but I'm just like I don't see tripping over myself To, to genuflect at the Cohen brothers' altar It's great, I mean it's fun Whatever uh, But, yeah
3: I think they're right up there as filmmakers uh, In our lifetimes But With who? Uh, all time mm. Their body of work is impeccable Miller's Crossing, dude oh, Brother, where art thou? Fucking okay, No Country for Old Men Fargo, dude. Mm. I mean, it's fucking impeccable. I guess. tight, right? It's good. I mean, your definition of good and mine are very different.
1: Well, I mean, we all have our pantheons.
3: Seriously. Yeah. Maybe if we slapped a trauma logo over the top of their movies, you would be like, Oh, oh that's hurt her- that's friggin' hurtful. That <laughs> really hurtful. is hurtful. No, that's not, that's
1: not so no, real. I'm done. I'm friggin' done. <laughs> that is Fuck really, this. Please. Seriously, is, you that went that for hurt, the nutsack that, on that one. You did. That's not that's right. Trouble. It <laughs> is. That's Fuck trouble. you. That is not nice. Fucking trauma. <laughs> 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 disparage is, America's hardest working independent filmmakers <laughs> at my expense no oh shit <laughs> oh my god this is gold, Jerry shit Holy that, shit.
0: So Th- that,
1: oh that was the most no n- <laughs> real talk that was the most <laughs> malicious you have ever been to me
3: that is ridiculous on trauma. I was trying to be malicious I was trying to be funny That's god hilarious.
1: damn Oh my God! For I can't what it's Fruma worth, as your trigger? No, it's <laughs> you because off. you're disparaging them and you're using it against me at the same time. <laughs> Fuck this! I'm done. <laughs>
3: oh shit!
2: Oh my God! It's great. Nothing
1: <sighs> ever. No, it's not. <laughs> it was hurtful. It was very calculated and mean. Oh, there
3: was nothing calculated about it. I hadn't even thought of the concept of Froma until you besmirched the Cohen Brothers. You're the one that, that incited a riot as
1: soon as people listen to this by saying the Big Lebowski isn't all that. Come back next week when maybe there will be somebody else in my friggin' seat. That's all, all right, I'm
3: saying. We gotta reach out to police. I'm saying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> we love you so much, people. Uh, thank you for being here. Come back next week. Say oh. night, my brothers. Good night, my son and prince. Brothers. I'm laughing too much.